Hey guys, just a quick note before we begin that the show may contain spoilers and adult language, but that's just because we know how to have a good time. Stick around, you'll be glad you did. You are here for me to enlighten you. You ever act like this again, you're barred for life. It's just violent bass. It's kind of embarrassing. If you know you're lying, then you can forget them. Oh, I get it. It's very clever. <laughs> Hello, peoples, and welcome to Esoterica Cinema, the podcast where we take films from the cinematic multiverse and discuss the hell out of them. My name is Jason Peters, and with me, as always, is the man who for three years lived disguised as a monk in a Shaolin temple before he was found out, Mr. Ryan Siebold! What's up, Jason? How's it going, buddy? Not bad, man. Not bad. It's so apropos, too. I mean, I feel like there might be some sort of correlation to the movie we're about to watch, but uh, maybe it's a coincidence. I don't know. Either way, tell us a little bit about this. Here's the thing. Uh, <laughs> I have a, a predilection towards robes. And, um, you know, okay. I just, yeah, it's a it's a thing with me. I Hotel robes, bath robes. Um, is this a Florida thing or is this a Ryan thing, by the way? It's it's a little bit of both. A little bit of both. Okay. I yeah, can see yeah. Florida being a robe town. So, I mean, they're all about the robe life uh, at the Shaolin Temple. I opened up my 37th chamber. And oh, um, yeah, yeah, it's a it's a new thing. I'm, I'm trying it out um, and I've got a new pupil and uh, we're, we're working on some different moves. I'm working on uh, a sloth styles and like <laughs> uh, tarantula styles. That one's a weird one. Uh, mostly it involves like cardboard legs that I've duct taped to my back. It's not very threatening. Uh, <laughs> But uh, yeah, I brought him here today. He could talk a little bit about it and some of the things we've been working on. Uh, it's Cameron Harrison from the Green Shirt Podcast. Cameron, come on in. Well, oh, well, hi, hi, Master. How's teacher, it going, buddy? Sir. Oh, it's it's going great. Ever since I've joined the 37th Chamber, it, I mean, it it beats out Chambers 7 through 19, definitely. Those were I'm tough. I'm kind of missing Chamber 28, but yeah. <laughs> Those were tough. Now, in all fairness, we skipped over a lot of chambers. It were kind. Of, it was kind of a hassle, and uh, you know what? We weren't trying to work. We were just trying to wear some robes and lounge around. And uh, so, yeah. I mean, I wanted to hang out at the Excite Bike Chamber longer. That was a good chamber. That was a great chamber. I love that chamber. I, I don't think I've <laughs> I, I fully mastered Excite Bike yet. I think we still need to go back. Um, I mean, we could cut this short. Uh, but, can we excuse ourselves, Jason? Can you handle well, this? No, by okay, hold you on. Got the show, it, right, Jason? If, if it's the 37th chamber and you guys are sitting here, are you telling me that you never graduated the 37th chamber? And that, oh, like, there is no graduating the 37th chamber. Yeah. Oh, so no. Oh, no. Just... oh, he thinks you can graduate the 37th chamber. <laughs> yeah. Have you been to the 37th chamber, Jason? I, you, you know, idiot. I'm embarrassed. Cinematic for him. confession. I have not been to the 37th chamber. I'm just going to go ahead and say it right now. I have not visited it yet. It's been on my list. Uh, I just haven't had a chance. I feel like this podcast is uh, becoming the 38th chamber. and uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, It is a grueling test to get through for sure. Yeah, five seasons and we graduate. That's the deal. So. <laughs> I, man, I'm, I've been sitting here trying to make come up with a joke for the last seven seconds about the 69th chamber and I just couldn't do it, man. But I feel like there That's was some the low joke. hanging fruit that I just left fucking hanging there and I'm really disappointed with myself right now. Yeah, I'm disappointed in all of us for this uh, introduction. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, I could have told us done some ribbing like, oh, I bet you guys graduated from the 69th chamber together. <laughs> <laughs> I got nothing. I got nothing. Who was on the that. student and who was the pupil on that something one? About something something position. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, I rabbit guess the style. Dead and rabbit gone, style. That's the one. Go. Oh, oh, rabbit. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> 69 rabbit style. Let's just go ahead and get into a description for our film then. Ryan, what you got? Today, we have a movie that begs to ask the question, what if we made a training montage into a whole-ass movie? <laughs> We're visiting the 36th chamber of Shaolin from 1978. Google has this one as a young student, Liu, is urged to rise against the Manchu oppression in China, but the revolution has disastrous consequences. Escaping the massacre, Liu seeks shelter in a Shaolin temple where the monks train him in their famous martial arts skills. Jason, what did you think about this movie? Ryan... As always, I'm going to tell you right after this trailer, except I'm not. Uh, I didn't even really sell the fake out last time, man. You know, I was thinking about it. I was like, should I fake out? Should I not? And then I went for it, but we did it last time, and then I second-guessed it. Ugh, disappointed in myself. Uh, either way, uh, yes, that is my way of telling you, the audience, that we do not actually have any clips or trailers for you today, uh, as is the case usually for our foreign language films. Um, oftentimes, there is not the English dubbing, which... Man, we're going to have to talk about dubs versus subs. I know all of us had a little bit different experience, and I feel like anybody who watches one or the other comes away with a different experience as well. We'll talk about that in a minute. But before we do, uh, I did want to go ahead and actually give our guest Cameron here a little bit of time to speak to his program. So uh, he, he is, yes, Cameron Harrison, but he is actually not uh, Ryan's, uh, I don't know, slave. You said he was your pupil, but then I was getting some sort of, you know, like like... Like, like slave master vibes. I don't know. You guys probably have a complicated relationship. Either way, uh, Cameron hosts a podcast, a very, very entertaining podcast called The Green Shirt Podcast. Cameron, why don't you go ahead and tell uh, the audience a little bit about your show? Uh, yeah, sure. I am the host of Green Shirt, a newbie's trek through the next generation is our podcast. It's a Star Trek podcast. I, uh, though a nerd I am, never watched the next generation growing up. So I'm doing so for the first time Uh in a podcast format with my more, slightly more knowledgeable co-hosts. Uh, we just started season five. I hear there's a lot of really good episodes this season, so I'm super excited to dive into them. And uh, yeah, it's Star Trek with dick jokes, really, is our podcast. And if that's, <laughs> that description sounds good to you, you should check it out. You can find us at pretty much all major podcasting outlets uh as well as on twitter at greenshirt87 uh facebook is facebook.com slash greenshirt podcast you can find us follow us it's it's a pretty good time it is a really good time i highly oh, recommend you, this podcast it's a lot of fun yeah it's also great because it's like one of those things too where so like for someone like me like i get to so i have i'm not familiar with star trek <laughs> either <laughs> you know and so yeah of course like literally any other show any other podcast that looks at star trek i can't hang with them but the fact that you have your two knowledgeable people and then you who's the you know hence the green shirt right because you're a rookie uh, newbie um, thank you yeah, right. Uh, so not everyone gets that. <laughs> yeah. So for someone like me who's not familiar, like I get to totally like you get to mimic my experience and it makes for a really enjoyable show, whether you're familiar with the program or not. We, we do try is. to kind of like find that balance between like super nerdy and super casual fans. And I've, I've heard from both groups that they, they enjoy the show. So I think we kind of successfully straddle that at times. Count us as in a little of column A and a little of column B here. But uh, we're, we're big fans of the show, and we're glad to have you. Yeah. Thank you, sir. I'm, I'm super excited to be here. I do want to give a full disclosure. I wanted to be a good guest. I wanted to watch the entire 
you know, Chambers of Chowlin franchise. I looked and I looked and I looked. I could not find installments one through 35. I'm sorry. So <laughs> I'm coming in fresh on 36. Wow, ballsy, just like the protagonist, man. You know, just coming out straight on top. Let's see That's if right. you get smacked down right away or not. <laughs> it's, it's not the only way I relate to him, let's just say. <laughs> it's like uh, Police Academy 4, Citizens on Patrol. You just got to go right for the fourth one. Just skip one. <laughs> That's, That's the ultimate viewing order. Yeah, 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 right. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'll tell you what, man. Let's go ahead uh, with the introductions and silliness out of the way. Uh, we can go ahead and get started on our discussion here. Ryan, it's a good place to start. At the beginning. At the beginning, absolutely. So for our opening shot, we open on a wide shot of a lone figure in the center of the screen. He's lit by a lone overhead spotlight standing disciplined and strong, his musculature visible even from afar. Now from there, we perform what technically isn't a jump cut, but somehow still feels like one as we move to a medium close-up of the man staring directly into camera. There's a flash of blue lighting accompanied by the sound of thunder, after which the stage illuminates into bright white as our hero performs a brief and effective martial arts display and the credits roll. Now, guys, uh, right off the bat, very first thing, uh, I, when when the guy's standing there and he's got the, the, the rings on his wrists, like, uh, I immediately thought of Kung Fu Hustle, and I'd have to imagine that that was, like, a reference to that film. Cameron, kind of like yourself, uh, and on listeners as well, I'm not very well versed in Kung Fu, right, in Kung Fu films. I mean, mm-hmm. you know. The, the discipline itself, of course, if, you, if you've seen my body type, it's obvious. But Kung Fu films as well, I'm not super ver- well-versed in them at all. I've seen a couple, maybe. Um, and even the ones, it's like, you know, we watched Harakiri the other day, and it's like, well, no, that's more of like an art film that just happens to have samurais in it. Same thing, I would argue, with like Seven Samurai. So, like, I'm not from that, like, old-school camp of, well, campy Kung Fu, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, so I'm sure there's a lot of references that I have seen along the way that are ultimately references to this film, you know, and I'm sort of, we're sort of, I'm sort of just discovering that for the first time as I watch this. So, uh, but yeah, so, and then, you know, from there we get a series of sort of different setups with the credits and I thought it was really effective. It was like, Hey, it's a credit sequence. So, you know what? Like we don't really, uh, let's just kind of be artsy with it. And, you know, they show them doing like a bunch of these different, um, you know, Kung Fu moves. And at first it's sort of, uh, it's, you know, just, uh, against like, this falling water, you know, and he's sort of like punching the water and we get some really cool visuals that way. Oh, and then all of a sudden off at that water, <laughs> he's like, fuck you water. He does, you he killed does my not mom. Like Bam. That water. Yeah, he, takes, <laughs> he kicks that water's ass. He really does. And then, uh, and then he, you know, he's doing the same thing sort of up against this sort of very nice, you know, big red backdrop with the sunset and everything. And oh, what so, did that look like? Jason, what did that look like? Uh, a Star Trek planet. Ah, it was it. totally <laughs> on a Star Trek planet. <laughs> that is absolutely Mars. I wonder if they went to Red Rocks. Or uh... <laughs> no, I do. Um, I do love, like you said, I'm not super uh, versed in uh, kung fu movies or Asian cinema, though. So, I mean, I went to film school, so I, I've I've been exposed. Really? Uh, oh, hold on, stop! <laughs> stop that! I didn't know that you went to film school, oh. huh? Oh yes. Oh yes, I did. Oh, where where that at? Degree to great work, uh, <laughs> hey. North Carolina. <laughs> School of the Arts, little North Carolina shout out. That's uh, awesome, there. dude. Congratulations. So we actually have three film school graduates on oh, right now. We're the uh, podcast with that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's actually, that's how Ryan and I met. Ryan and I met in oh. film school. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so he he's one of those Johnny Cash types who's lived everywhere, 
right? Like mm. <laughs> you can talk to 12 different people and each of them can be from somewhere else. And he'll be like, oh yeah, I'm from there. Oh yeah, I'm from there too. Oh yeah, I'm from there. <laughs> Guy was born in like 12 different places at the same exact time. It's very strange. Um, I've never so, been, I've never been from North Carolina though. I don't have a North oh. Carolina persona. So Cam, no, you can take this one. How about Alaska? Because that's where I'm, I'm actually from. Yeah, I've never been from Alaska. Oh. No, yeah. Okay, cool. Well, I, you I know have what? yet to develop my just shot uh, me my down, man. Personality. Well, yeah, <laughs> I'm the one. I'm the one to break him. Yeah, appreciate yeah, it. I, I will gonna... break you. Appreciate <laughs> it. It's like, oh yeah, no, he's been everywhere. Like drops three places. No, I'm not from there. Oh, never mind. Yeah, <laughs> great yeah, story. Could have used a robot. <laughs> Portland, Oregon. Portland, Oregon. Yeah, no. Never no? even. Okay, well, those are the three places I have lived: Alaska, North Carolina, Portland, Oregon. Is that where you are oh, now? Wow. Portland? Yes. Nice. Yep. That uh, that is three diff- very different places. No. It is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, here in Portland, Oregon, there's a great theater, the Hollywood Theater, and they do uh, kung fu night. So I have I've been to a handful of those, um, and, and seen some kung fu films. Uh, uh, back to my point, though, I do love those kind of very stylized sets. The uh, you yes, know, the, absolutely. The backdrop with the very saturated colors. Uh, Kurosawa did a lot of that. Uh, mm-hmm. So I, I do love when they go super stylized like that. Um, and then, yeah, just the, the kung fu in general. Yeah, I've seen a handful, a couple in high school. And then, you know, I go to these kung fu nights every once in a while. And those guys know their stuff. They get up there and talk for 30 yeah. minutes before a movie, like just dropping names like it's nothing. Totally. Um, so there is a definitely a whole culture there that I've just barely scratched the surface of. Uh, but it is nice. I You know, I've, I've seen a few and I could... I, I don't know if I could really differentiate them all. Like, they all kind of feel... I like kung fu movies, but they all kind of feel the same to me. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, so let's go ahead and start where the film where the film starts in terms of, like, you know, the story proper. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, I'll... And I, I'll mention I this. do... I'm so sorry. I, I did want to talk about this opening scene just a little bit. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Please, go ahead. I, I thought it was an interesting choice. I mean, I get why they do it, because there is going to be, like, a lot of exposition and a as you said, Ryan, a long training montage before you get to any really true Kung Fu fights into the movie. So they're trying to give you a little taste up front. I get that. They're showing off their star, Gordon Liu, who is impeccable. I mean, I pretty much look like that when I take my shirt off. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually the uh, podcast host physique. It's so common. That's right. Yeah. Calling it podcast host physique, like dad bod (laughs) podcast host physique. Yeah, yeah. But I I thought it was kind of a mistake to do that here, because for me, like one of the strengths of this movie, again, is Gordon Liu and his performance and the story of how he goes from like this nerdy college student, right, who doesn't know his crouching tigers from his hidden dragons. He he starts at like a zero and then we see him built up until he does become this kung fu master at the end. And, And it's that story where I think the film is really has its legs and its foundation in his performance of going from that from A to Z, I don't know. Yeah. But here, like we see, we, we just see him at 100% at the very beginning. And I kind of feel like that pulls the rug out from that journey. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So you would have liked to have just uh, seen him at his, you know, meekest state or whatever. So that we starting off so that we could see him grow into that. Yeah. I just wanted an opening montage of him writing papers and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> just painting. No, I mean, yeah, I get why they did it. And, you know, they have in this time, they had the opening credits instead of the end credits. But like yeah. nowadays, it would have been fun to have this scene of him like showing all his mastered skills at the end. But Totally. Yeah. No, yeah. no. And I can appreciate that. Um, and it's, it's kind of interesting, too, because I don't know about you guys, but I will say that uh, for the first 20 minutes or so, I really didn't know what the hell was going on, man. <laughs> 
like I was, I was trying to figure out and it's like, okay, cool. So there's this like military procession where some leader general like comes in on horseback and then, um, I believe, so I believe he's reflected, he's a, a representative of like the Manchu dynasty and that's sort of who's in control. And then I believe, oh, you listen to the dub. <laughs> I I did listen to the dub. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, okay. And then you know, so he's they're strolling in, and then they're sort of attacked by like rebels in hiding. Um, and but there are some aspects of the film that it sort of just throws at you right out of the gate, right? Like so that opening action sequence, I really feel like does set the stage very well for the film that we're about to watch. Uh, Ryan, uh, did did you feel the same and was there was what did you take away from sort of like those opening 5 or 10 minutes in terms of setting the stage for what was to come? So this kind of was reminiscent to me of uh Harakiri and okay. in that you have two warring factions and um you obviously have like a ruling class or uh, something that somebody that is taking over of sorts, and then you have these rebels. So it's all about you know the empire and the rebels, right? Like Star Wars or totally whatnot. Yeah. So it, it kind of all traces back to um, you know the, a group that you know is in power, and then a group that doesn't want them to be. And so I was curious about that, and I kind of looked it up. And uh, this is the second time in, in this season that I found out that it. Uh, uh, very much has a lot to do with westernized culture getting involved in the East and their rebellion of that. So you have the, um, I, I believe it was the King um, dynasty that was in charge. And then westernization was coming in with Christian missionaries and all this nonsense. And then uh, the Easterners didn't want that, uh, the proper Buddhists and all of that. And so the Manchu uh, ruling class uh, came down with promises of pushing all of that out. Uh, but in doing so, they do it violently and with an iron fist. And so then there's always this trade-off, again, like Harakiri, where you have um, a ruling class that uh, exhibits peace and order, but they do it with sacrificing all your rights and freedoms and all of that. So uh, here we kind of cut into the middle of that, uh, and uh, these rebels are trying to get their country back from, that they kind of sold um, you know, for bottom dollar, more or less, to this Manchu tribe. So the Manchu, uh, by the way, is uh, from Manchuria, which is up by Russia, Manchurian candidate, Manchurians, whatever, uh, kind of all these, uh, you know, uh, war warring tribes that came down from the north, south of Russia and took over China. Um, and so uh, we kind of cut it in the middle and these rebels are trying to uh, get their country back. So to quote the, uh, the great Mr. Garrison from, uh, from South Park, where, where my country gone? And, and that's where we're at. <laughs> so question for you, Ryan. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the English dub version, they call them Man Manchus. Manchus, yes. In the subtitles, they call them Tartars. Are those the same? Are, is that interchangeable? Ooh, do you know? Did I you, don't know. I tried to look that up. Yeah, I've never heard of Tartars. What do they, what do they call them, Cameron? Tartars. Tartars? Like, like tartar, tartar? Like tartar sauce? Like tartar sauce? Yeah, yeah. baby. Oh, wow. Give me that tartar sauce, baby. <laughs> Sometimes it's without the R's on Wikipedia. I did. I tried to go down like a little bit of a Wikipedia hole, but yeah, I couldn't yeah. really tell. It found. It sounded like that might have been some like Western kind of confusion between the two. Like, what if what if it was actually what if it was actually like some sort of like insult? Like the the guy the guy who did the <laughs> subtitles was actually like Team Manchu, and he was like, oh, no, I'm gonna call him. Like it's like it's supposed to be tarts, right? Like they're like weak yeah. sissies. Like I'm gonna call them tarts, uh, tartars. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering, yeah, so I did, I watched, um, uh, I started in the subtitles, okay. with, uh, the the Mandarin audio, and, uh, and okay. then I kind of switched back and forth with the English audio, because my son was watching, and I thought he might pay atten 
attention a little bit more if he understood what they were saying. Okay. Uh, he didn't really care. He, didn't, like, he only watched the Kung Fu fights parts. Well, even with all that but, great uh, voice acting? <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, honestly, in the Mandarin, like, I didn't mind so much because it's all dubbed. I mean, every audio track was dubbed, and it, none of oh, them so like they, like so they the were still doing actors. sound in post at that point? Yeah, definitely. Okay, and it. I mean, even the Mandarin sound like like Chinese speakers doing bad Mandarin accents. <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, either way, I didn't mind, except that, like, it really is two different scripts. When you're listening in really? English and reading wow. the subtitles, like, it it rarely matched up. And even sometimes the meanings were slightly different. Uh, so I huh. did almost wonder if, like, Tartars were, like, if they actually flipped who the good guys and the bad guys were for Western audiences. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. But, it, yeah, it was, a, it was a really weird, like, because your brain's working on two different levels and, like, taking in almost two different stories at once. It was a weird experience. Yeah, I bet. Ryan, how did you watch it? Uh, I watched it dubbed as hell, and I enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> I watched it dubbed as hell too. So, I mean, as uh, I don't know if it's, I'm sure it's still the case at the time of this recording, it's free on Amazon if you have an Amazon Prime subscription. Is that where you watched it? Yes. So yeah, 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 I, I kind of so, feel like that's. Uh, I I hate to say this, but I kind of feel like that's the authentic experience because that's you think? when I close my eyes and I picture kung fu movies, you picture the dub. You know, it's <laughs> it's the uh, it's well, it's the pun it, in Wayne's World. You know, when he's getting into the yes. fight. You know, the, the samurai fight <laughs> yeah, in Wayne's yeah, World yeah. too. Wayne's World too. Uh, Leone, right? And uh, yeah. you know um, that whole thing, which is Tia career. Excuse me. Don't uh, kung, her. <laughs> kung Pao. Uh, was it Fist of Fury? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That's right. fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, and that's, yeah, all I, never, I never, I never saw that one actually. I think that came oh, up last season so or something, but good. like, I really, I, I feel like it's funny. Did you that like that camera? That is a bizarre Cameron? movie. I liked 60% of it. Like, qualifier. Yeah, right. Well, the whole, whenever they were taking the actual Kung Fu footage and like putting him in there and just recutting it and redubbing it, that's funny as fuck. Yeah, yeah. right. It's totally Anytime they cut to like the weird stuff they shot themselves where he's fighting the cow and everything. Yeah, right, right, uh, right. It's like from a whole different movie. It's yeah. just terrible. <laughs> and that's the stuff they put in the trailer. Yeah. <laughs> that's how they sold it was him fighting a cow. And I'm like, no, this is the worst part of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> like, it really like, is. How do you sell to an American audience? Oh, yeah, we just took old Kung Fu movies and cut them up and redubbed them. <laughs> but oh, you're man. right. That's the choice stuff. And that's how I was kind of introduced to Kung Fu films. Um, also, you know, growing up, uh, watching anything like this, um, you didn't have all these options of, mm-hmm. oh, I mm-hmm. want the original Mandarin or the, you know, the yeah. subtitled or this and that. You just kind of had to watch what was in your local video store. And so um, I can't say I'm like well-versed in Kung Fu films, but I will say anything that I've watched was this way. And so mm-hmm. um, it didn't bother me as much I, because well, I was like, it's... I knew what to expect, I guess. Yeah. yeah. And it's not Fellini. Like, again, they're, they're not <laughs> yeah. the greatest actors <laughs> for the most part. They're doing it in post. They're doing it fast. They're doing it yeah. cheap. Like, yeah. But I will say, though, that uh, I was way more impressed with the size, scale, and scope of this film than I expected yes. to be. Absolutely. I thought 100%. This it was, was going to be very small and cheesy and just bang them out over and over. Like the, I, because this is all made by a studio, uh, one of the largest studios in the world at one point called the Shaw Brothers and uh, mm-hmm. based out of Hong Kong. And these guys were cranking out films um, one after the other. Um, 40 a year. Right. Yeah. And so um, that, that was the uh, Warner Brothers-esque logo that you saw in the very beginning of the film. And yeah, um, yeah it's uh, so I, ex- knowing their reputation, um, uh, because I there's a there was an awesome documentary on Amazon that I watched a while back about the Shaw Brothers and the Hong Kong 
kung fu um, movement that was going on. And so I expected this to be lower quality. And um, I was pleasantly surprised that uh, this felt big like um, the Ten Commandments or like a David Lean film or something. No, absolutely, you know, on, man. And, on a, on a and, budget, obviously, but mm-hmm. the, there are tons of extras. The, every scene felt big and filled out. It wasn't like they uh, shot it tight to get around budgetary constraints. Everything was allowed to happen in a wide shot. A lot of sets, a lot of A lot of huge sets. sets, yeah, and it was beautiful. Um, absolutely. So, I thought it was very engaging. Yeah, and that was really the thing that kind of stuck out to me, like from those opening scenes, you know, is that, you know, we get a lot of wide shots and we get the processions and we've got extras. And not only that, but the the nature of the costumes, you know, like uh, the the, the color schemes that were used in both the set design as well as those costumes, like very ornate, very theatrical. And on to that note as well, um, the score, so the score yes. itself, also too, mm. it was almost like it, at times it almost it was funny because it was so old school. Like I, it, it wasn't what I expected a score for a kung fu film to be, because I really feel like you could take that out. Like there was a lot of like normally they would throw a lot of like Eastern sort of sounds in there. But like that score is largely Western influence to the point that it sounds like it could be put up on like one of those fifties romantic comedies, like, Mm -hmm. you know, Audrey Hepburn, Cary Grant type film or like an early Disney, you know, Herbie the love bug thing almost or something. Right. Like very fanciful. And what I loved about it is because as we were saying, like it's, it is kind of confused. They throw you in. I'm sure like a Chinese audience probably had more cultural understanding of what was happening than yes, the yeah. three of us did. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I was kind of confused what was going on a lot. Um, but I felt like the music really helped me, helped carry me through. Like, even if I didn't know the specifics, I'm like, okay, here we are in this moment. Here we are in like the adventure moment. Here we are in the, the quest, the journey. I know what, kind of what part of the story we're hitting now. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Oh, there's the little ominous tones. That's the bad guy. Okay, got it. Cool. Like, <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do yeah. love these rebels, though, because uh, they're terrible. These rebels are terrible. <laughs> they don't do anything right. Yeah. Every, every plot gets found out almost immediately. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, they, I, they need Gordon Liu to come down and teach them some Kung Fu because otherwise they ain't getting anywhere. <laughs> well, well, the one thing they did well is that they were able to sort of infiltrate this this small town or whatever. So basically the sort of sure. impetus for the entire uh, well, you can call it a plot if you want. But well, so the impetus for the plot line is basically that like uh, the the the. Dynasty in Control discovers that our main character is working is is educating himself at a school and they go in and they find out that basically all of the headmasters and teachers of this school are actually themselves rebels. And so they're sort of like covertly, uh, you know, training this like guerrilla army. And well, so, not even that covertly, but yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's so, right. <laughs> and to your point, it, it wasn't covert enough, so they got found out. And then the entire village gets raised, and all of the family members of everybody get killed. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and so it's our our protagonist Lou, as well as a couple other characters. Um, which, by the way, just to throw out there, uh, did you guys did you guys notice Lou, or did you re- did you recognize him from anywhere, or did you see after the fact? Uh, I mean, I knew who he was beforehand be- yeah, yeah, for because sure. of Kill Bill. Are we talking Kill yeah, Bill? Exactly, right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So he was Pi Man. That's Kill why Bill I know for him. anybody that didn't uh, know that up front. And, and you can sort of tell. It was like, I, I didn't know that going into it, but I saw him and I'm like, 
I know that guy from somewhere, and it was like halfway Wait through. Wait a like, minute. Kill Bill. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> like when he gave a certain look or something, right? And it was like, oh, oh yeah, 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 that's him. Yeah. I mean, he's, yeah. The, well, the one actor I knew in the entire movie. So it's like the only <laughs> character I could really follow and be like, okay, this guy's important. I know. Yeah. I sort yeah. of recognize him and can tell him apart from everyone else. Yeah. So um, actually, the, this movie actually is full of like some great character actors. Because uh, that's one thing like the, the Shaw Brothers studio did, much like old Warner Brothers, is they had like their cable of actors who would always come and kind of play the same characters and you could tell like a character would show up and i wouldn't know who he was but within five seconds you're like okay i know what kind of archetype this character is right yeah so and then uh you know so basically uh the like i said the army figures out what's going on kill all the students all the family lou and one of his classmates are able to run away and they find out that like their family and everyone was killed I love that moment there. Yeah. I mean, one, another thing I think this movie does great kind of going back to the music is, is tone. Like it shifts tone so much and so yeah, dramatically. And rapidly. Film. Like very, exactly. like but somehow it works. Like I, <laughs> I, it never feels jarring, even though it should. And this is one of those moments where, so yeah, Lou and his buddy are like, you, you shouldn't be sad. My dad's dead too. Oh, our dads are dead. We should learn Kung Fu. And then like they go, yeah, let's learn Kung Fu. And yes. Clap hands and that music comes in. Bill and Ted and style. Cuts, <laughs> and then it cuts to them outside, I think eating an apple. And they're like, oh, well, we got out easy. Or no, it's amazing we got out or something. Like there's a whole scene of where they had to sneak out of the town that they just cut through. <laughs> But what's hilarious is Unimportant. there's no need for that because they immediately get found out and are now being chased. Like, that could have been them sneaking out of town, but it wasn't. For, I, I guess they <laughs> oh, wanted, like, man. a forest scene. I and, don't know. Yeah, and I'm so glad you brought that up, Cameron, because that's one of the things, actually, that I have right here as well, which is that, like, this film... So, it, uh, it's come up a couple times this season, Ryan and I, uh, during films that we've looked at. Just the nature of pacing, right? And how it's kind of one of those things that kind of uh, oftentimes gets overlooked in film discussion, um, so this film had an absolutely breakneck pace through most of it and to, yeah. the, to the point that I was surprised that it was still almost two hours long. Right. Because you normally a film that moves this quickly, you're going to be out in like 90 minutes just because, you, you know, you kind of you don't have a, that much of a load to spend. Right. Like you're going out that fast. Um, so, you know, Guns Akimbo, all these films tend to be shorter. So hindsight being 2020, I was pretty surprised this movie. This movie was two hours. Like, Mm -hmm. A, it didn't feel like two hours, and B, not a lot happens. Like, when you really break it down. (laughs) Yeah, but again, the the things that do happen, it's like, it's so quick. So, like you said, basically, they're like, uh, oh, yeah, this happened. Cool. Let's go learn Kung Fu. Bring it to the people. (laughs) Yeah, sounds good. Done. And then, like you say, and then, like, and then they they show up to the grounds and, uh, you know, it gives this whole thing. And then. Um, so, well, so let's, so let's just talk about this real quick. So there's this scene that they run through the forest, right? They're trying to run away from the dynasty. Uh, the, the, they end up getting drawn into a battle and the friend gets killed, but Lou is able to escape. Um, we see some more of that really awesome costuming where we have all of the army in red and basically Lou finds a small town that is right next to this sort of Shaolin temple and he's in bad shape, but you know, they're obviously, some good guys, you know, is here to help the little guy. They're going to help uh, smuggle him into the temple, which they do so by putting him in, in an oversized basket, uh, along with some crops and a very sort of like Bugs Bunny style grift. Tale as old as time. Right. <laughs> right. Even down. Else? Yeah. You're like, you know, exactly the beats that are coming. Right. You're like, OK, so they're going to be checking off the stuff. Then they're going to go to hoist the one and it's going to be heavier. And they're going to be like, oh, what's going on? Like, well, got to bring it in anyway. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> 
Except instead the of cultural in- touchstone, touchstone I hit on there though, and maybe I mean it's, I know like the the monk temple up on the mountain, isolated is is a trope in a lot of things, but I was getting sure. strong Skyrim vibes. Any Skyrim players here? <laughs> oh, like yeah, yeah the dragon. Yeah. Like there's the little village you go to first. They're like, oh, they come buy groceries from us every once in a while, but no one ever goes up there. <laughs> then our hero has to make his way to the top of the mountain somehow. <laughs> well, yeah, and know. that, and you know what? I mean, uh, that actually brings up an interesting point uh, that I was going to bring up later, but just because it's kind of come up right now, which is that um, I think that the the way that this story plays out is, is very much sort of like indicative of a, a lot of the sort of story progression that I see in Japanese pop culture, right? Like whether it's mangas and animes, or whether it's video games, or whether it's films, right? It's this sort of like it's like Okay, you start from the bottom, right? And you need to become all-powerful to defeat the big baddie or whatever it is, right? Um, And then, you know, along the way, it's, like, very much, like, grind, 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 and then, bam, (laughs) absorb OP power, right? And then grind, Mm -hmm. grind, grind, bam, absorb new OP power. And we very much see that in the progression like the way that he's supposed to like balance on these barrels. And then by the end of it, he develops like super Kung Fu Ultra Mega single jump pop flying kick. Like, right, yeah, he stays up one night. And does that. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. And it's, just, it's, it's, it's very much like grind, 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 grind. Like, oh, now I can do this amazing thing. Bam, right? Well, that, uh, that's, uh, <laughs> I actually have in my notes that uh, I feel like I could do a lot of this stuff. <laughs> I don't think it looks that hard. What are you I was gonna ask you. He makes it look easy, bro. That's the that's the thing, dude. You're How taking many it for chambers granted. do you think you would get through? I think I could get through at least half of these. Um, okay, like seventeen chambers in my podcast shape. Yeah, in a row. Oh, Let's do oh, this, please. You, you do have the podcast pod. I, I feel like well, I feel like a lot of this is concentration and like uh, you know. Uh, so I, I here's the thing, dude. I feel like Zelda Breath of the Wild um, prepared me for all of this. I think I'm good to go. <laughs> now, look, there are a, there are a couple timing, rooms. You know, you just got to get your feel the rhythm out. <laughs> there are a couple rooms. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's just let's just bring up up to speed here, so we can actually get into this. So you know, so they they do the whole grift where they bring him into the temple. You know, he ends up being discovered because they they knock over the crops. He comes spilling out. Uh, they see that he's in bad shape, so they're basically like, okay, well, we're gonna let you go ahead and heal. Once you're up to speed, time to get the hell out, right? Uh, but what should take, I don't know, seemingly months, according to their reaction, uh, in terms of healing time, it only takes him 10 days. And so the lord of the temple is very impressed and assumes that this is a, a showing that Buddha favors him. And as a result, they're going to keep him around and let him be you know, one of the monks. Um, which you're right, Ryan, a very, very similar setup to Harakiri. I guess that was kind of, you know, a thing that happened at a certain point in history and was probably very common for a lot of the people over there. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's, it's something that you see repeated over and over again, where a peaceful culture, uh, gets into, uh, the arts and, and, you know, certain, um, uh, domesticated activities and then um you know a military class will come in and take over and so you know that's what happened in in harakiri and that's what's happening here as well where this military ruling has brought order and peace to a land that couldn't agree and couldn't get along because of all their clashing and all their progressive ideas but then in um hindsight you get let this ruling class in to install order and then it takes over and uh rules everything with an iron fist, so to speak. And uh, again, Star Wars, I mean, this is all kind of, it bleeds throughout our culture in, in, in mm-hmm. many, many stories, but um, this is another one of those stories. 
Well, and I guess I found out too that this is uh, based on, and I'm not sure if it's mythological or historical or maybe like quasi both, like Jesus, but it's based on like a, a story of, of how Shaolin came to the people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to get more into that later with some of the other characters that show up that I was like, what is happening here? <laughs> when I later realized, oh, the, these guys kind of have to be part of the story because they're part of the story. Got it. Uh, yeah, that I makes think, more sense. I think I think you're talking about the third act. I, I kind of yes, had a very similar... the third similar, act I have like... a lot to say. <laughs> <laughs> My Absolutely. tone is going to shift greatly in the third act. <laughs> Which is funny too because so we're pretty much, I mean... Right, right now we start the second act and kind of, you know, you kind of alluded mm-hmm. to it earlier, Ryan, that like it's a bulk of the film, you know, it's just him mm. sort of training. So so like I said, they, you know, they, they're like, OK, Buddha favors uh, you. We're going to let you stay. We're going to let you be part of what we got going on here. And then, you know, again, it's just, you know, we cut to him standing outside and he's like, hey, master, it's been a year. Can I talk to you? We're like, oh, okay, yeah. cool. Now a year has passed. Great. I, Dude, love- I picked up on that, too. <laughs> I love that they keep track of the time that they have characters say how long it's been. Because that's the thing with training montage. You're always like, so how long did it? Yeah, yeah exactly. And, I, and that's what this movie does well is it's like. Look, this doesn't happen overnight. You've got to stab yourself in the chest with daggers for months <laughs> yeah. and if not years to learn this. And they really kind of hammer that home throughout. And, and I, I definitely appreciated that. Yeah. But the whole was, second act uh, of the film. timekeeping. Uh, the whole second act of the film probably takes, uh, you know, what, an hour and 15? It's, a, it's about an hour. hour I, would say, I would say it's about half the film. It's a big, say. yeah, it's a big chunk. Yeah. And the whole thing is just a training montage strung out to two Which, and by and the way, let's also acknowledge that traditional three-act structure from a screenplay perspective, as we learned in film school, that's about the divvy, right? 25% mm. first, 50% yeah. second, 25% right. third. So... I wouldn't say this is necessarily well structured. Again, we'll get to that third act in a little bit, but it does follow at least to a degree. But you could tell this was the movie they wanted to make. Like right. The, the oh, first act sure. and third act yeah. were tagged on so they could tell this story. Right. This yeah. story they told well. I do, again, I, I kind of mentioned it earlier, but like Gordon Liu, I think, is the rock of this film in that yes. he is a kung fu master. The actor is a kung fu master. We're, we know this by the end of this movie, from the intro from this movie. But you would not know that watching his performance. Like, he really plays the the fuck-up really well. Like, yeah, he's definitely. Like, trying to cheat at that barrel chamber. Like, <laughs> I, I buy that he's just, like, some doofus who doesn't know what he's doing. Like, and that's, I mean, when you are good, playing bad is hard. That's, that's very good. That's funny. So often, uh, you know, you give these guys uh, kung fu actors and, and martial artists and films um, really dumb roles just to exhibit their martial arts. Mm-hmm. And it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, he's a whatever. He's a clerk or he's doing this fool's errand and oh, he knows Kung Fu. And, you know, that's a lot of Jackie Chan movies. And, you know, it's just the silliness abounds. But um, you're right. It, it, to your uh, point, Cameron, um, you know, he kind of plays this part all the way through very consistently and uh, and it's very well performed. He kills it. Mm-hmm. No pun intended. Master kills it. Yes, he's a master. Should we talk about the title? Uh, Yeah, yeah. Lay it on me, Um, because it is it's master killer, right? In certain regions, the American. I think that's how they first build it in America. Okay, wait, what was Uh, it? I'm not familiar with this. Okay, yeah, master killer is is where it's known. uh, Was the American title when they first showed it here? That's where Wu Tang Clan's master killer got his name from. Yeah. but uh, 36 Chambers, where they got the title for their debut album. Yes. Uh, again, I watched part of the commentary, which RZA is on. And <laughs> That's Jane awesome. Clan. I love that, by RZA the way. RZA 
specifically, like they took a lot from kung fu movies in this oh, film, yeah, for uh, sure. Specifically, originally, but that's such a terrible title. Like Thirty Six Chamber of Shaolin is a great title. Yeah, yeah, when I no, did absolutely. That, like, I knew it was a kung fu film. That's all I knew. I want to know what is. What are the first thirty five chambers? What's so special? I was going to say, especially one? when you find out that there's only thirty five chambers. So, oh, this yeah. thirty six is going to be like what? metaphorical, or they're going to grow into it. Like, awesome! It's exactly. not just the final or, baddie, or right? the thirty seventh chamber. Let's <laughs> not uh, neglect mm, sh- or the sixty ninth. <laughs> or the sixty ninth. It's mostly just Cameron and I and Epsom Salt Baths hanging out, but you know, okay. we're getting there. It's okay to be jealous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, Master Killer. The master, if the master is Gordon Liu, kills one person in the entire movie, sort of, and we cut away from it before he actually kills him. Yeah, so, <laughs> that it's is such true. a terrible title. Restraint. No, absolutely, it's all about That's restraint. Hilarious. I had no idea about that. I yeah. also thought it was really funny too, where you know, again, he's like uh, when he when he when he calls the guy over, he's like, "Yeah, it's been a year, and you know, I haven't learned any kung fu." And the guy's just very nonchalantly like, "Oh, really? You haven't?" Because we got a whole course on it. All you had to do was say something. And uh, yeah, we got these 35 chambers here. It's like, you think it would have come up sometime over the year? Like, these chambers are not small. Is this like a whole other secret temple where this takes place? Right. It was like, oh, wait, do you mean like, do you mean like the the chamber room? Like, yeah, the chamber area. Oh, I I wonder why it was called the chamber room. Right. (laughs) Like, just. Like, so nonchalantly, like, like, oh, why didn't you say something? I've got them right here. Do they here. all eat in the first or the 35th <laughs> chamber the entire time? Are they all going to this cafeteria the entire time? Like, I don't understand the rules. It's fine. I don't need to, but I yeah. was confused. Yeah, it was very funny. Yeah, it did and, get uh, a little convoluted as far as that, you know, where, yeah. where all this well, was and happening then- and... And then it's also weird, too, because so like, you know, so they tell him they're like, OK, yeah, so there's a uh, 35 rooms, you know, he's like, cool, I want to start at room 35. And they're like, great, kid. <laughs> and so they take him in and he sees the old guy. And I'm sure uh-huh. that that's like what the Pi May character from Kill Bill was based on was that like the, mm-hmm. the old guy right there. Um, and 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 they he drops a move that it was really weird because it's like so it's like this supernatural street fighter wind fireball right and it's like yeah yeah, exactly and it's like okay so that's the ultimate form of kung fu and you're like oh okay cool so this is the filmmaker telling us us that like this is what lou our protagonist is gonna Mm -hmm. like grow into but then he doesn't like by the end of it he never learns any like wind thing and furthermore he doesn't fight that guy like, <laughs> well, so you know, that was really weird. <laughs> we're told he masters the 35th room, but we never see it. I'm like, that's weird. I wanted to yeah. see like his return because I, I love it when he first goes. I love this whole moment. I love that first monk. I yeah, wish it was very cool. Yeah, yeah. He was super cool. And he's like, where do you want to start? Oh, you want to start at the top? Sure, kid. Let's see this. Yeah. He goes in there. It's fucking weird. It's so weird in there. I They're all chanting in this weird alien kind of intonation. And yeah, at this point, how long, how many chambers did it take for you guys to realize his name had changed to Santa? What? Uh, none, none, none chambers. I didn't pick yeah, up on that. Okay. It took the 37th chamber. What? Really? Yeah. I, I literally it's don't know what you're talking about. Maybe this Please is to explain, the subtitles. It, okay. His name, for some reason. Oh, it's Sante or Sante. In the subtitles, it's Santa. Okay. And in the English dub, I, it even kind of sounds like Santa. Yeah, it's S A N T E. I think is. Oh, what you know what? I I, I saw that in the. Oh, credits. I didn't watch the subtitles. Right. Yeah, the character's name is Santa. I don't know why it's Santa. Oh, okay. In the movie. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, is that a, is that is that something too? Like uh, in terms of 
uh, what is it, Mandarin, right? The pronunciation, do they pronounce E's as A's? Maybe? I'm sure it has something to do with that. I I mean... Because I know there's I know there's different pronunciations from the way that we do in a lot of the vowels. Unless the American distributors just wanted to make this like a prequel to the Santa story. The, the <laughs> well, sequel was going to be oh, him learning to make toys. You know it. what? There's, there, there's, there's something we should actually... There's something we can actually talk about right now, too, that this dovetails nicely into, which is that it's easy to forget right now in 2021 with how globalized <laughs> everything is and with how, mm-hmm. you know, the influx of various nationalities over the years into America. Like, we have all the nationalities, right? There's there's a, a market for a ton of, of different languages, right? Right. Um, so, you know, you can make money by having, you know, uh, Spanish, uh, Spanish language films, Chinese language films, you know, here in America where before they would be strictly related to region and the Internet only opened that up more. So but it's easy to forget that, like prior to 2000, like dubbing was not done with a level of respect and sophistication, mm-hmm. right? So, right. like, you brought up at the top of the show, like, El yeah. Mariachi, man. Like, we looked at that last time, and we started, I remember starting it and getting through five minutes on dubbing and being like, no, I cannot do this, right? Like, because it was like, it was just like, pick, like, the most stereotypic accent. Like, yeah. hey, Martin, you better get over here, right? Like, you basically, like, was- here, Speedy Gonzalez, like, Two hours of Speedy Gonzalez all (laughs) the way. Terrible. I was just like, no. So, you know, and that's 93. So now go back 30 years prior to that. That's where we are with this. So, like, I don't know about you guys, but but my Lou sounded like a New York, like, Jewish gangster, right? (laughs) (laughs) He was like, hey, guys, we got to go. We got to overthrow the government. (laughs) uh, And then, like, his friend was like the mouse. He's like, hey, what are you doing, guy? We got to go over here, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, so, like, just the, the voices were like... Now they would just get an Asian actor to speak normally, right? And he would have just a naturally, you know, Asian inflection from that being his first language. But, like, mm-hmm. so, you know, when we go back and, you know, we're, we're, we're super critical of a lot of the dubbing and stuff like that. I just think, again, it's easy to forget that, um, you know, the markets weren't what they were now. Uh, the level of sensitivity yeah. that we have to other cultures and stuff like that, you know, wasn't what it is now. Um, but you know, to get these sobering reminders is, uh, just, yeah. it's very funny, dude. It's very funny. It always makes me laugh. It's like, ah, I guess we have come, come, I guess we're doing okay. We're making some progress. Good for <laughs> Absolutely. us. Reluctant pat on the back. We're Fine. not the 35th chamber of wokeness yet, but we're, we're, you know, we're, yeah. early twenties. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, we're not, uh, we're not doing so bad. <laughs> kind of speaking of which. So that's why I thought. Maybe we didn't see him reach the return to the 35th chambers because as an audience, we are all just laymen who have oh. not gone through the first 34 chambers. So we wouldn't have understood what took place there. It's That's beyond true. us. Oh, and, exactly. and not only that, but it also lends that much more depth and credence to the Wu-Tang album, right? Because their album mm. is Enter the 36th Chamber. So they are inviting us into their world to teach us their Shaolin ways with their debut album. But to your point, it is interesting, like what they decide to call back, like set up and call back in this film and what they don't, because yeah, I too thought that wind attack was going to show up. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, and then, so, so like I said, we're, we're firmly in, uh, which, oh man, it's <laughs> taking us a long time to get to the second act, guys, uh, but if that's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> so yeah, so but the good thing is that we can pretty much speed through the second act here because it's basically just mm-hmm. the, the, the Yoda Luke training montage for an hour. 
That's all it is, mm-hmm. right? And we get it's also a really interesting progression, right? Because so the first one, it's all about balance, right? Is he's got a balance on these barrels and he tries to get around it and they make him go through and then he figures it out. Then they bust up the barrels, they become the logs, he's able to like skip across right. it super quick. And it's the original you know, Mario Brothers. Right? Yeah, exactly, right? And yeah. then from there <laughs> and then Kong. From, yeah, no, absolutely. And then from there, we kick it up and they take us to that sort of like arm pyramid bicep building yeah. thing outside. Right. And this is basically they have to carry these like buckets of water and they have these blades that hang down from their biceps where if their arms go down, the blades touch the sides of their bodies. Um, and so and then after that, he goes to the eye chamber. <laughs> it's just like I feel like the eye chamber maybe should have come before the arm chamber. <laughs> like, There's some progression. Like, like I, I, I thought that was the funniest no. thing. I thought there was two of like the le- because then after that he goes to the head chamber, which is just a bunch <laughs> of dudes headbutting like punching bags. So it's like I don't know. I just feel like maybe the the blades on the biceps might have been more towards the end after like <laughs> watching a, a pendulum swing back and forth and. Uh, uh, maybe it's <laughs> yeah. just me. I don't know. And then the pacing was weird too. Like some we would spend a long time on, and some would again like the uh, the passage of time would be a single cut, and like yeah. suddenly he knows how to hold the barrels. And I mean, yeah, yeah. It's also interesting that so he he the eye chamber he learns the eye chamber, and then he has to like fight. He has to fight the the logs, uh, and he knows kung fu, but he doesn't hasn't learned kung fu yet. He knows he learns the kung fu later. Yeah, right. Yeah. That was a weird. Uh, Choice. Yeah, he he kind of like ramps up super quick and then, but then he still has halfway to go and it's like ah well yeah. he's probably just got. But some it's interesting. Yeah, they say the like, head is the most important and that does wind up being his killing move at the end. So that's I, true. I guess the the headbutting. Head, I wouldn't head have guessed of it death. was the yes. Well, you know, guys. I mean, one one of the things we haven't even talked about, which is like the friggin' hallmark of these films, and that's the sound effects. I mean, I mean, so, okay. first of all, everybody listening, if you've watched this film, you know, you, you know, and if you haven't, this is basically like all of the kung fu parodies that you would do with your friends on the schoolyard as a kid right where <laughs> you know you you the, the mouth doesn't match what you're saying and uh, I, I would do it for you guys but again it's audio you can't see my mouth so I'm not gonna do it but uh, and uh, I can that, tell you guys right now his words are coming out different than the house mouth <laughs> yeah. trust me believe it it's really weird um, but then just uh, like you know uh, Ryan you pointed it out too like the Wayne's World 2 thing of the uh, where the fights you know the whoosh, 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 just like the super dramatic cling cling uh, sound effects, where it's like it also all over the Wu-Tang everything. So. Yeah, 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 and just the clanging of the swords and the super dramatic fist punches and the. Well, what like <laughs> I would love to do is I'd love to find someone who's never seen a kung fu movie and then play just the audio from one of these scenes. I think that was like the graveyard scene specifically uh, when I thought of this play it for them and have them try to guess what type of movie this is coming from because like <laughs> period piece kung fu movie would never cross their mind they would go through like every iteration of science fiction first yeah. especially if you well, have like that like that that score that we talked about earlier so yeah. all that's going on and it's like yeah they're throwing the knives it's laser beams yes the laser sounds are the best yes they're like so dramatic I love it yeah I love every moment it's cheesy but you wouldn't want to watch these 
these movies without Correct. it. Well, and, and when they were doing the uh, the eye training with the lights on the candle mm. on the pendulum earlier, they used yeah. the same sound effect to t- tether. Oh. So you could tell, like, he learned this from this and then learned this from this. So the training montages earlier in Act 2 had the same sound effects as mm. what, how he would respond to certain uh, fighting styles uh, later on I in didn't the film. Pick up on so that. were, That's good. it yeah. kind of tied it together. Speaking you know. of the eyes, uh, which which chamber did he learn to have the star eyes in? That was the eye chamber on the yeah, pendulum. With the, with the pendulum it, thing. Because I noticed there was a couple zooms on Masters and they all yeah. had the little star <laughs> lens right, on. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, man, is he flirting with him? What's going on here? <laughs> is is uh, Dreamweaver going to kick in here? Like, <laughs> but, but I mean, again, dude, zooms, the, the, entire, the entire chamber is just... <laughs> Watching a pendulum swing from left yeah. to right, like yes. I can yeah, do that. You have two cigarettes. I can do that right so, now. Your ears. <laughs> I can do that right now too. Don't turn your head. I've played. I've been playing video games my whole life. My hand-eye coordination is top-notch. That's what I'm well, saying, Jason. 37th chamber. Come join us. We got you, fam. 36 chambers is boring. We've already beat that shit. By the way, that just reminded me right now. Did they make a Wu Tang fighting game? For like PlayStation One through Three, somewhere along the way, that sounds familiar. I think they did. If they didn't, I'm going to. If they didn't, they had it in the works. Yeah, I I feel like that was a thing, man. I don't know. I just thought of that for some reason. Does anyone know where I can get one of those staffs with the big metal hand on the end? Because I I need that to help (laughs) parent my kids. That that was was amazing. It was uh, it was so many different things in 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 one. It was a staff, but then it had like the crescent moon blade at the end. But then like I'm talking about the uh, the headmaster. Yes, in the head chamber. Right. Oh, which way during the headbutting scene to like slap. And, to, and it had, like, around. a big Looney Tunes hand. Yeah. I wish there was, like, a red mark on his oh. face with fingers. That's <laughs> right, what I was right, waiting right. for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, uh, yeah, it's, was, like his yeah. Little, it's like his little Yoda stick that he, they whack him with or whatever, right? <laughs> Correct. No, that's yeah. exactly what it is, but with a comically large, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. who-framed Roger Rabbit-sized <laughs> glove hand. Mickey it would be Mouse. awesome if both, like, his face and the glove, like, throbbed after you got, like, a really hard whack I, in. I wish it only had three fingers, like a proper cartoon yeah. hand. That would have been fantastic. <laughs> Thank you for pointing that out. I was, uh, uh, was I love that. That was, that was... Yeah. And again, and, that was and, that tonal shifts in the... Like jumping from humor to like spirituality to revenge, yeah. like it was, it was supposedly it was the sequels to this um, w- leaned way more into the comedy of that as well. I'd like to actually go check some of that out to see the. Yeah, I heard the stuff. second one like bigger budget, lean more into the comedy. I heard it's very um, Karate Kid, like Karate Kid one was inspired by it because okay. it's a lot of the you don't know you're training when you're training right aspects. well and gotcha. i thought of that um uh, a lot of when i was watching this as well again because of the montage you know the paint the fence and all of that so mm-hmm. as he's skipping over to get his dinner and um yeah. you know he's learning things um so you know i was uh, i i would like to while we're talking about weaponry and tools um could we kind of mm. skip ahead a little bit into his uh three pulled nunchuck thing yeah uh, we I actually think- can i'll tell you what like real quick so the only thing that i was just going to mention before that is we get like a super quick montage and the only thing that really happens before that of of any merit is where he does the like chamber where he's kicking the va- the va- the vases or the pots or uh-huh. whatever like through the rings of fire or whatever so like that he was does cool. that whole th- yeah which was cool and then after that yeah so so basically what happens is that's like the finishing of the montage and he's cleared like all the 35 chambers. Cameron, to your point, really weird that there's all of a sudden like, OK, well, you cleared all 35 chambers. And it's yeah. like, well, it's weird because the structure is, you know, you give us 
glimpse, 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 and then you sort of show us the whole last chamber, right? Him go through it from beginning to end, and right. like, cool, yeah. we're, 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 we're moving forward there. And but, they kind of skip through the Kung Fu chambers. <laughs> like, yeah. after Kung Fu, they're like, it's a fast montage. Yeah, yeah, which it's, and, and it's almost, it's almost incongruent that it somehow takes an hour. <laughs> like, it's like, how does right. it take an hour, but you skip through, like, well over half the chambers? I, I It's yeah. so weird, right? Like, yeah. There was a moment where I was like, are we going to see every chamber, and are they all going to take this long? Because <laughs> right. yeah. I'm checking the running how time, time is some math right? on a napkin, and it doesn't check out. <laughs> There's these elaborate mouse traps of, like, you know, it, well, you're going to spend 25 minutes of watching this violent way, deadly way of doing laundry. But then, like, when we actually get them doing karate kicks and punches, no, no, we'll just yeah. skip right over that. Back yeah. to yeah. the laundry. And it's like, whoa, <laughs> And I wonder if that's because there are, like, how exciting is it to watch actual kung fu training? Like, that's a real thing. Like, we don't really want to watch that. But watching these kind of made up, like, learn to use your wrist, learn to balance that's a little more fun and fanciful. Yeah, no, it was definitely already kind of slow, so it would have definitely slowed it down a lot more to keep yeah, it going oh, sure, any further. Oh, sure. I know we're all laughing here, but the uh, the water bucket up the steps to pour the water down the ramp, did, did anybody catch what they were doing with the water? Weren't they doing laundry and washing out their robes with that so. water? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that would make so, sense. Yeah. I honestly thought it was just going into a pool. Like, they weren't doing anything with it. Like, it was just about... <laughs> no. Like, it was more of that, like, base. mental, like, not only are you doing this shit, but it's not even doing anything. They were like, monks right at the it. base, like, with, uh, <laughs> yeah, with their no, you're right, like, yellow you're right. robes, I, yeah. and they were wringing them out and beating no, them with the sticks. So I'm yeah, thinking, yeah. what the fuck? So they're taking water from a well, carrying it up the stairs, like, fucking 80 feet high, pouring it down a ramp with knives on their arms just to, like, wring their clothes out. I'm like, dude, just go put the robes in the well. The water's right. Right there. This is all way too much work. Ryan, it's, the, the, it's the journey, pool. not the destination, man. Death laundry. You never, you never came but to I learn mean, that. <laughs> that did seem like it would have been a great opportunity going back to like, where is all this? And how did Lou not know where this was? Yeah. It would have been a great deal. line. And like, <laughs> you have seen Kung Fu training everywhere around you is yes. Kung Fu training. Look yeah, at the right? laundry is Kung Fu training. <laughs> like the cafeteria is Kung Fu training. Right. Like, like, it seems oh, like that that's what those people on the pyramid are. Oh, <laughs> I was wondering weird. why they were wearing daggers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I didn't think anything of it, despite the fact I really wanted to learn Kung Fu, but now that you mentioned right, it. Right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. But yeah, so, you know, he goes through all this stuff and then there's like, there's basically like the, I don't know, I guess he's like the number two um, or whatever of the, in terms of controlling yeah. the chambers. He's and, like the douchebag who didn't want him to stay there. There's always that character, right? Yeah. And you don't like him. At yeah. First. He's, he'd be like the man, he's like the manager, right? He's not the owner, but he's like yeah. the manager, <laughs> right, right? And everybody right. always hates the manager. Uh, yeah. So yeah, so he basically, you know, the 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 high lord is getting ready to give him whatever chamber he wants, but then the other guy steps in and is like, ah, I think he should have to beat me first, and then he's like, yeah, okay, no problem, <laughs> and so then they scrap, and yeah, he basically gets his ass beat, and then that's when Ryan, to your point, we get the introduction of uh, where he he finds a way to finally defeat him. So why don't you go ahead and uh, bring up those nunchucks? It just seems like the dumbest weapon of all time. I don't know how. <laughs> Am I wrong? It's a three-pole nunchuck system. Like, nunchucks, okay. Those are dumb enough, by the way. Like, I don't know if you guys have ever tried to use those, but they're pretty awkward. Like, again, they hurt. They're so much heavier I, than you think they're going to be. They hurt well, you. Get, they hurt you. Like, they, that's you what I'm hurt saying. You, with them you're the thing against your rib cage, and you're like, ow, my fucking ribs. I just, I think it's more for show and spectacle. Like I know what I'm doing and I could do this thing. So I must be more coordinated than you, but the three pulled one, you add a middle section to it and it just seems really kind of, I don't know. 
Uh, I just I was looking at that <laughs> thinking uh, that's the worst weapon of all time. I was wondering if this because he creates it like that's he does, the whole yeah. point, right. right? Is that he makes it himself? Yeah. And I was wondering, like, is it did he win with that weapon because it's so much better, or because it's new and the other guy wasn't prepared right. for it? It's like having a backup quarterback in football. Like, how do we? We don't have a scheme against <laughs> right. this. We didn't plan. And for this, it. I I admit, this comes from Riza himself on the commentary. <laughs> uh, but I think it was a good point is that, no, it was when, like, he took all of his training uh, and learned creativity. He, like, he adapted all, all his training to a situation. Because that's what this is all about, fighting this uh, second-in-command douchebag. And I really like the scene because you hate him at first. You're like, oh, he's just trying to show this guy up. He doesn't want him to succeed. But no, like, he was not ready to go out into the real world until he learned to fight and master this guy. And then he's really proud of him at the end. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it was that he had to take all of his skills that he learned in, like, you know, in the chambers themselves and not in the real world and they have to apply creativity and adaptation. And so I thought that's okay. That's why this works, I guess. But yeah, I was wondering because I've seen this three segmented staff before. <laughs> and I'm like, is that, did this movie really invent this? Or are they suggesting this character invented this historic weapon? And oh, Wikipedia tells me it was the latter. It is a real weapon from like sixth yeah. century. I just feel like the middle bar gets in the way. <laughs> Like, I feel like if you have two chains with two sticks, like that's at least a little more agile of a situation. But when that you have that middle bar, now you got a three bar nunchuck tier system. I don't know. It just seems. I, I think the idea is you can use two staffs to block something. Then you've got that middle bar to like get on the other side of shields and swords. And again, this is what Wikipedia told me. And okay. then you can use that to uh, kind of get past defenses. Sure. Well, not only that, but then you can then you can also like move your grip. So instead of just controlling the outside, which he doesn't, but you could theoretically move your grip inside. Then you've got a staff with little twirly things at the end that you could like use to knock people around and stuff like that. You can get more momentum on the end of the staff, apparently. Yeah, exactly. And hit uh -huh. people in the back and make them cough up blood somehow how because that's a thing yep and also come on ryan it gives you a whole extra segments worth of sound effects to use that's true I mean, I think that's 30 percent more sound effects 30 percent more true yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you and you and you haven't figured how you can work it into your super flying ultra mega single leg kick a jump oh i mean right? it's all for not anyway because i'm just gonna headbutt him to death so <laughs> <laughs> moot point so, uh, yeah, exactly. so, but he's able to uh, create this weapon and he uses that to ultimately to defeat this guy. And then uh, the. Oh, I do love the scene, though, before he creates it. He's in the bamboo forest. He's really frustrated because he hasn't been able oh, to. Oh, yeah, this yeah, guy. right. He's practicing with the crescent moon spade or whatever. Yeah. And I, I do really love the scene because he keeps like flashing into his mind of like, yeah, this is how I'm going to like knock the sword out of his hand. And then I'm going to do this and knock the other sword out. And we keep seeing like what he's imagining is going to happen. And then it cuts to his real fight where he gets his ass handed to him again. And it's just like, <laughs> that was me <clears throat> as a kid. Not not recently, I, I assure you, <laughs> like lightsaber fighting, you know, in my house being like, yeah, and this is how I would do it. And I block this move and then cut him. And then knowing in the back of my mind, like, no, if I were in a real fight, I'd None of this would happen the way I'm picturing. <laughs> well, I mean, for starters, lightsabers aren't real, Cameron. So, oh, what? Yeah, excuse me. I know. What? Oh, that's uh, get the hell out of here, bro. I mean, if that's you... the uh, episode ninth chamber. I just, I, I would pay really good money to see you in a fight showing up with a toy lightsaber. <laughs> and this is how I would do it. Come on, <laughs> it lights up though, guys. Yeah, right. it's the, uh, it's the telescoping one with the little three parts that <laughs> like right. fly out. Well, you didn't say He's that. Just you didn't mention that. That's, oh, oh. that's a distinguishing that's, character. That was a uh, secret up my sleeve. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Your Jedi sleeve. 
So it. yeah, so we do kind of uh and and yeah, I do like and it's kind of the same thing, right? In terms of that progression, right? Where he's just like, ah, man, I got my ass kicked. Well, oh well. And then like all of a sudden he's like, wait a minute, grabs the staff, ha ha ha, and like now he can like chop down fucking trees just like that. And he's like, ah, I'm invincible now. Um, so and doing the math, uh, apparently that was two years. He was fighting that one guy for two years. Oh, wow. Before he learned to beat him. Wow. (laughs) And then finally, after those two years, he is able to defeat him. And thusly, the Lord grants him access to uh, run whatever chamber he wants. And he says, uh, oh. What chamber would you guys want to run? I, okay, let's see. If I could run anything. Dude, honestly, man, I would run that headbutt chamber. (laughs) Just, just because I could sit there and play Switch all day. <laughs> yep, you guys hit, you guys hitting those um, guys the heads. Cool, keep it up. Do it all again. I don't know. Did you see that guy's head? I'm gonna head? go pull some crops. On yeah, that's Animal true. Crossing. That's true. <laughs> he had that giant welt on his forehead from overseeing that chamber. Yeah, did not look good. Yeah, no. The one I wouldn't want to do is that bell one. Man, that seems tedious as shit, dude. Yeah. Like I gotta sit here and and clang this damn bell. And over I have and over. no like, rhythm, dang, so I'd be terrible dang. at that. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, what is that? You could have at least picked a drummer, someone who can you know keep this thing going. Yeah, I just do the food one because all I have to do is that's walk what down I the would easy do. Hall, yeah, throw the rice. Yeah, right. Yeah, laugh at everyone that comes in wet. You're like, ah, fuck wads. <laughs> <laughs> like, these dipshits. No rice for you. <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah so he uh but our our protagonist lou says no i want the 36th they're like he must be mistaken there is no 36th <laughs> oh well he wants to invent it and the 36th is him bringing the shaolin ways to the people mm-hmm. right going out teaching them the kung fu ways so that they can defend themselves from tyranny yep. i also think it was really funny that like i mean all along the way, like, you know, we've mentioned that there's been very little room for subtlety, uh, <laughs> but that also extends to, like, the messaging. They're like, hey, guys, are you just going to let the government sit there and tell you that you can't speak your mind? And they're like, no, no, we're not. We're going to we're go. We're going to go learn Kung Fu. That's right. Well, that's all they talk about it. Right. Like there's zero other propaganda whatever right right (laughs) there was a weird little bit of ambiguity there when they kicked him out though because i am pretty sure it implied that this was their plan right because the abbot earlier is like no he he must go out and teach them kung fu so like this was their way of like we're gonna kick you out to do what you want to do and then we can wash our hands clean Mm -hmm. my only problem with it is throughout this entire training montage we keep getting those glorious monk smiles where they're like an asshole to him and then he turns around and they smile and they're like haha he's going to learn it this way I knew it was going to happen we always get those like I'm proud of you son smiles from the monks which I love and it felt like we needed that here like when he leaves the abbot could and this number two could have turned and shared that smile like all according to play <laughs> we, we don't get that i missed it That's, no i mean yeah. I, I wanted we uh so this takes us to our third act uh you know where we've, yeah, we've waited here we've waited patiently you know for yes. for an hour and 20 minutes of training montage to uh to get to this final 10 minute third act that we're just gonna like, wrap <laughs> things up <laughs> And that was my thing. I checked the time and I was like, wait, what? Yeah. What? No, same. Okay. I was like, dude, this is a long Here's ass a, movie. It, I'm like, how much is left? And I checked it. I'm like, oh, <laughs> 10 minutes? Dude, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Here's the thing, though. I will take this a step further. And this, I just, I couldn't get over it, dude. It just made me laugh, which is like, not only does it, it, it doesn't just wrap the film up in 10 to 15 minutes. It legit 
turns into like a whole other movie in yes. terms of structure. Yes. So basically what it does is it's like, hey, second act is over. Time for third act. We're going to start the third act by going back to the start of a second act and assembling a team for a goal right. in the third act. Right. But it's like, no, you're in the third act already. You can't go back and assemble the team in the third act. That's second act shit. <laughs> right. You have 15 minutes. How are you introducing new characters with 15 minutes left? <laughs> Your passion is 100% justified, Jason. 100%. <laughs> no, what I wanted was like, he's coming back to his hometown, a changed man. We want him to meet the characters from the first act. Right. There's still yeah, people absolutely. around. There's like the teacher's assistant who, who hid him out in her house. I'm pretty sure he's got some buddies around. He's got his uncle who was established. Meet these people. Let's see how he's changed. Yes, let's deal with... <laughs> this is what we want from the third act of a revenge story. And no, all of a sudden we're meeting all these new characters who, yes, I guess are like this story's version of the apostles. Like they are real characters who helped teach Shaolin to the masses. And so we had to shoehorn them in there. I mean, but it, I don't From a story like... standpoint, it did not work. We're, we're, not we're an all. hour and 45 minutes into a two-hour film. There's 10 minutes left. And we jump into the opening of Ocean's Eleven where he's like... Like, <laughs> going to meet saying. the high school. This is the 30 minute mark of Ocean's Eleven. Elliot Gould's <laughs> there for some reason. Left. Like, everyone's you son of a bitch on in. Like, Rick and Morty high step yes, episode. Right? Count Trucula shows up. It's like, what the fuck is happening right now? There's 15 Dude, we minutes guessed it left. Up. We guessed it on a program and looked at it's Army like, of the Dead recently. And that was like the 40 minute mark of Army of the Dead right. is what they're doing now. Yeah. It's, uh, and they, I was like, they, did you run they out of money? This plan. They get this plan. They finally get everyone on board. You're right. We're at the hour mark of uh, Ocean's Eleven. I checked the time <laughs> one more time. They've they finally got the crew. They've got a plan. We don't exactly know what the plan is. Two minutes. Yeah. There's two <laughs> minutes of film left. I don't know what's going to happen. Do, is there another disc? Is this a two-disker that I missed? <laughs> what is happening? We continued, bitches. Yeah, is there an intermission that's coming up? Is this truly a Ten Commandments type film? Because I would watch that film. Yeah. I think yeah, there is a three-hour just... version of this film that would be amazing. I agree. I agree. And, <laughs> but we're missing the last two hours. And yet, this guy trained for no less than 87 years up in Shaolin to fight the, the least formidable foe of all time. Like, he okay. wrapped that dude up in 30 seconds. I'm like, I'm pretty yeah. sure you could have skipped after, like, the seventh chamber, and you would have been fine. Like, I think you got this, this, fam. This is a huge problem with this movie in that <laughs> we – they establish – so he he fights, like, three big bads in the last – in this yeah. third act, right? yeah. Only one of which was established. Tang. I, was I will say, give them. They exactly. established Tang as a real motherfucker. Right. I want Tang to die. Yeah. He's the one who personally killed his dad. Mm -hmm. He's the mm -hmm. one. Revenge is what has been driving this entire movie. Yes. Has driven him to be the best Shaolin master ever. And he. That's the first mini boss. It's the first mini boss he takes out. And there's still two <laughs> yeah. more big bosses I don't give a shit about. We never <laughs> met him. Right? Yeah. No, we have not established them as 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 martial arts experts. There's no reason he has to pull out the special weapon he designed just to defeat this guy. He has to look at this guy bad and he'll fall over. Like, yeah, yes, yeah. It'd be like you save Tang for the end. He is the big bad, <laughs> right? Yeah, it's so weird. 
I, it's so weird. Yeah, dude. I don't know. It would be like if you killed uh, the Wicked Witch of the West, like immediately, <laughs> and then all of a sudden yeah. you introduce two more, and you're like, "Whoa, there's oh, two there's more some now." Monkeys yeah. you have to take out. Yeah, yeah. Flying monkeys. yeah, yeah. We want to get rid of them, <laughs> right? Yeah. You, now you have to go get As, Aslan, the the fucking lion over there. I was like, like, whoa, whoa! It's like something completely different. Yeah, we're in a different. They're movie like, now. oh, now here, now, now, now here, now here comes the astronaut of Jupiter, yeah. and you're like, what? <laughs> and it's like, is this from a different movie? And they're like, nope. What is this? The other nope. kind of bad guy. Save I it like. for the third act. Surprise, bitches. Here's, here's King Hippo gotcha. from Mike Tyson's Punch Out. It's like, whoa, what the fuck just happened? Didn't see that coming, did you? There's the bad guy who takes out the assassin in the first act, right? There's like some general who's like, ah, oh, we are both generals. We'll fight one on one. Oh, you've yeah. I cut your arm. I will now fight you one handed. He's kind of cool. I like him because he's like a bad yeah. guy with some honor. Right. Is, is he one of the guys? I don't even know. Is he one of the bad guys? He is, I think. Yeah, that's like his general. Uh, he's the middle like, guy then, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. But he doesn't so, do any. Like, he's not honorable again. Like, he's not the no, same because, No, because the, 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 the weirdest thing, too, is if I is if I have it correctly, is he Lou isn't even the one that kills him. I believe it's the first of his recruits. Like, so there's, because there's, there's two recruits that we see him recruit. There's the first guy who's kind of just like a badass warrior in town, mm-hmm. and then, and I'm pretty sure he defeats that general. He no, he defeats Tay. He he hacks Tay. Oh yeah, he defeats Tay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty brutal scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For yeah. sure. Okay, so and then there's and then after that there's the 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 rice grinder guy. Well, no, there's who the black just kind of wants Don't to drink. Yeah, with the big sledgehammer. And then oh, his, right, his right, right. buddy. Who's so there's just three of them. The okay. doubter, the doubting Thomas. Yeah, that sits on the flower yeah. or the big pile of cocaine. I'm not sure which. <laughs> the, so that and that was that was that was what I wanted to ask you guys about too, which is that I didn't. So they they, they come up with this big plan to mm-hmm. to devise a trap. <laughs> what what it, what exactly was that? That like, was a very it kind of seemed trap. like it was. If they had missed construction that. rubble that they set up to to they've got like, flower uh, what, power, what, Jason. Yeah. They use flower power. Was it flower? Yeah, yeah. It was like I thought it was like I thought it was like concrete dust or something. Uh, well, it, it <laughs> no, was a, it was a powder. Like, they had drywall back then. <laughs> But also, the th- like, I don't understand what... Th- we just watched Lou, Santa, whatever his name is, single-handedly defeat two, three yeah. dozen guys at one time. And now there's maybe a dozen guys on horseback. And, and I'm like, what? we don't need this flower <laughs> plan. We don't need this overcombulated... Yeah. We know he can just show up and kick their asses. Or like, let's get three dozen that. guys to set up this trap. Uh, or we can just have him beat them up. No, yeah. no, no. Three dozen guys get to work. Or no, maybe just grab some bows and Chamber arrows 43 and get to work. rooftops. Like, why are we, like, doing this huge mouse trap bullshit again? Like, we're going to drop also, flour in their eyes. Also, now that I think eyes. about it, isn't there, like, not a wall out there? Like, no. they just have easily it was like gone a, out so, a number of different exits? Yeah. Like, not down through that one specific... That, that was my opening. point. Yeah, it's, a, it's the most specific trap of all. Like, if they didn't go through those city gates, the whole thing would have been for They didn't even, like, weave them there. And they must have convenient. spent days setting all that up, getting all that flour up to the yeah, roof yeah. And, and creating trigger points and, like, okay. And yeah. then they go around Having the people, city. like, whistle when guards walk by. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a lot of... Yeah. All to just... They could have just got bow and arrows and, like, shot that general dude in the fucking back and then that would have been the end of Done. that from Over. a rooftop. Yeah, they yeah. weren't wearing any armor. And, um, you know, I don't know. They they just didn't, and they didn't set up these guys as antagonists throughout the film. Like, you spend about 15 minutes with them in the beginning of the film, and then you go into mm-hmm. this huge training montage, and then all to just wreck these dudes without any use of kung fu. It's all just this mousetrap yeah. shit. I almost feel like he went through the Shaolin <laughs> things to learn, like, 
the most ambiguous ways to defeat somebody, you know, like, okay, right. here's what we're going to do. We're going to dig this trench. No, I learned this in Shaolin Munch school. We're going to fill it with water and then we're going to tie a bunch of logs together. It's going to be great. They won't get over to the other side. They're going to be tempted to go across on the bundles what, of what logs. What if we don't put logs in it at all? Should, should we even put the logs here's in? Here's the thing. We need what? the logs. And then oh. just, what are you questioning me? I'm the head guy. I, I'm sorry, teacher. I'm wearing I'm sorry, the teacher. yellow robe here. What are you, a blue oh, robe? Don't slap me with the giant pole. Yeah, right. With the, <laughs> with the big Roger Rabbit hand. I, uh, I just think it was this. Uh, audiences, they're actually 69ing right now, despite what it sounds like. <laughs> Chamber 69. <laughs> that's the uh, pole they're talking about. Well, you're, you're right, though, Jason, because that's the other. <laughs> Wait to hear these sound effects. <laughs> uh, is yeah, someone we, making mac and cheese? No dubbing necessary. Only- <laughs> no dubbing <laughs> necessary. <laughs> I'll never eat mac and cheese again. <laughs> and not only do we not really set up these other two bad guys as villains, like, and again, this could be a cultural thing. I'm sure Chinese audiences would be like, oh yeah, the the Tartars or the Manchus, whoever they're, they're bad guys. Right. Like we watch a Nazi movie. We don't need to see the Nazis do Nazi shit. We know the Nazis are bad. Yeah. But here in this movie, they never really, they talk a lot about how terrible they are. All we see them do is react to the rebels. And yeah, they react. Badly. I'm not saying the Manchus are good. Guys, I'm not I'm not a Manchu defender, okay? I I'm just don't saying we don't know. we don't see the reason for the rebellion. We never see why there is a rebellion. We just see them do bad things to the rebellion, which is kind yeah. of Yeah. Cameron, I'm hearing a lot of pro Manchu rhetoric out of you, buddy. <laughs> hey, 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 I'm starting to question your motives <laughs> Look, on this podcast. I I, oh, I no. have friends who are Manchu rebels, okay? Right, yeah, I'm sure. You <laughs> friends. What are your friends' names? Uh I, Mr. No Manchu. Mr. Yeah, right. Uh, I see where this is Joe. going. Right, Joe. Joe in Canada. Joe, yeah. You wouldn't Joe know him. Joe in Canada. You wouldn't know him. I met him you in summer. Uh, over summer, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't know him. <laughs> uh, and then, more specifically, like, so this is a revenge movie, right? And th- yeah. I've seen this, like, high on list of, like, top revenge films and top action films. And I don't really get it because... What is Lou getting revenge for? Like, I just, I don't feel it. Right. Like, we see his dad die. That sucks. But he didn't really have a good relationship with his dad. We don't know what his goals were. We don't know what his objectives are. And I get, maybe I'm asking too much from a kung fu movie for this. But to take it back to Dead Alive, like, Dead Alive is a (laughs) schlocky zombie movie, right? But what separates it from lesser well-known, well-good Uh, schlocky zombie movies is that there's a story and no people are not coming to it for like a meticulous examination of the edible complex but (laughs) there's a pretty broad examination of the edible complex there and that helps and there are characters that we care about and understand why they're doing what they're doing and so when they pull out a lawnmower and chop up zombies when they try to put a baby in a blender we know the emotional stakes of that baby going into that blender, right? We know why that's there. I don't know the yeah. emotional stakes of headbutting this guy at the end. I don't know what <laughs> Lou is like achieving for himself in that moment. Yeah, and there's very little kung fu used um, towards his goal, right? So he spends a really long time learning it, and then at the end he dumps a bunch of cocaine on the bad guys, and then <laughs> kicks the you know headbutts the bad guy, and it's like. Dude, I feel like you could have done that a long time ago if we just a little planning and foresight, but um, eh, whatever. That's true, yeah. Dude, yeah, what, if the, what if so? What if this film was actually like the pinnacle of subversion, right? And so we're we're talking about all of this and we're making all of these things, but that was exactly their point: is like you can spend a lifetime training and doing it the natural right way, 
Or you can just take a shitload of cocaine and be done with it. <laughs> what are you going to do? Right. That's the thing. You, you, you want to spend a lifetime it. or you want to be over and done with it? I, I think we know which way right? Quentin Tarantino right? took it. <laughs> the 36th chamber was realizing we didn't need the first 35 chambers. Nope. Aww. Aww. <laughs> Actually, I do. The re- it is. There is a very the real lesson theme. was believing in ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> the 36th chamber with the friends we made along the way and never saw exactly. again. Exactly. There's so exactly. many like fun, interesting monks that get introduced and then you never see them again. I know. By the way, how have we gone almost 90 minutes without mentioning the camera work? Yes. Yes. Dude, I mean, the camera work itself. So first of all, uh, I mean, again, so so uh, Cameron, where do you fall on uh, in terms of Tarantino fandom? I love. Uh, I I'm a Tarantino fan. I could get more I, I, huge complex about it, fan. but I love Tarantino. Yeah, same. Arguably my favorite filmmaker. Uh, I, I understand the criticisms, and no, I can't necessarily defend them. Right? Just no. Um, you, but yeah, you don't so. go to film school in the late '90s, early aughts. Exactly. Without being a Tarantino fan. That's you know he 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 is an inspiration to us, and and yeah, if you were part of if you were part of that time, it makes sense. If not, it might not. Either way, 100% with you on that. It was. Like, I am certain that he watched this film three dozen times before he made Kill Bill. Oh, yeah. So much of the cinematography from that. Right. Just the the, the, the kinetic way that it's shot. But especially with, like if you actually look at the camera work, this camera is always moving. Mm-hmm. The camera, at least, at least maybe through the the training montage. Right. So but like those first 30, 40 minutes, like the camera, if it's not panning. It's tilting. If it's not uh, booming up, it's zooming in. Like, and oftentimes How it does. How many snap zoom lenses do you think they went through? Oh, dude! Like so many, many zoom shots, so many zoom lenses. Love they've it. got slow zooms. They've got fast zooms. But yeah, just um, the whole you know the 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 quick zoom in. You know, when somebody performs some sort of action or gives a look. You know, we see that a lot in Kill Bill. We see it a lot in in a lot of different types of action films um yeah and and it would be interesting and i'm sure someone like rizza you know could speak to it but (laughs) not being familiar with kung fu films i don't know if this film popularized a lot of this or if this was already part of the kung fu aesthetic Mm -hmm. i think it was i think the crazy sound effects like was that already a thing or did this film sort of Mm -hmm. introduce that to kung fu i mean i don't know if you guys do I'm pretty sure it was part of this, like, because this was like 78, 78. and they've been making kung fu films yeah. since at least the early 70s, if not late 60s. What I think this movie, because this movie, as we said earlier, does have a budget. So I think it kind of took a lot of those schlocky, low budget mm. styles and then added that budget to it. it. Added, like, there was Got always it. the zooms, but now they could afford a dolly and a boom. And so they added that to it. And, you yeah, know, and they have these yeah. and they can't have the big giant exteriors with, you know, 50 extras mm-hmm. and crazy mm-hmm. costumes. And, you know, to Brian, to your point much earlier in the episode, you know, most of the time these films are much smaller and right. they're a lot cheaper and, you know, they don't have that production value. So, yeah, you get, you know, this big, like you say, you know, David Lean style epic production, but with, you know, these genre heavy kung fu elements and crazy sound effects but then also this like really elegaic score and so it's it was a really interesting experience definitely yeah i think i did think there was some subversion to the theme in that um it's a revenge story unlike most revenge stories not only is the lesson not to get revenge not not to get revenge uh it's not only is the revenge kind of fun like it is in a lot of action movies and kung fu films 
the theme of this movie seems to be revenge is good. Revenge is what drove this guy <laughs> to be the greatest Shaolin master that Abbott had ever seen. Revenge is what got him through it faster than anyone. It's what brought him to bring it to the masses so they could defend themselves. Like, never does this movie suggest that revenge is not the key to attaining your goals. But that's true. But it is a oh what it is a dish best served cold. <laughs> oh. Uh... <laughs> Classic Man, the tie-ins uh, right there. The tie-in yep. quote there. Yep. Yeah. And <laughs> absolutely. Uh, so- Sunte or Sante um, is a total socialist. I think this is a pro-socialism <laughs> m- movement uh, <laughs> movie because he he straight well, up goes to the abbot and and he's like, dude, you know what I've been thinking? We live a pretty nice life up here on the hill, and we got it all figured out, and uh, we could really help the people. And he's like, help the people. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking asshole. Get out of here with this help the people shit. And right behind him is a swastika. I don't know if you guys saw that little bit of... Yeah, I was like, whoa. Yes, but it was, it's the reverse swastika. I get the swastika it. It's the was Buddhist, based on it's that the Buddhist swastika. Yes. But still, my voice <laughs> That is kind of funny, though. No, but I see... I mean, here's the thing, though, is like, that's not... I mean... We have plenty of Amer- we have plenty of American cinema that said the same thing around the same time, right? I mean, this isn't isn't this right around Death Wish times? Sure. I, I mean, mean, I never saw on. Death Wish. I always assumed Death Wish ended with him being like, "But was it all worth it?" <laughs> <laughs> at oh, what no. cost? I oh, assumed no. the last line of Death Wish was, "But at what cost?" Like, did, had you ever seen like Straw Dogs? Uh, Straw Dogs, yeah. But I feel like, like it's I, kind of the same thing. It's like very what we would consider problematic messaging today, right? In the in the late sixties and seventies, it was kind of just like, yeah, you know what? If someone's fucking with you, you go and you torture them and their family, and then it takes yeah, care of it. Eye you for know? an eye. It's like, but they it's so have much it darker than this. This is such so much. It t- brings it. It's so much lighter, yeah. Like Straw Dogs, I Spit on Your Grave. Those are dark films. Yeah, like of even course. if the kind of theme no, is like, yes, this was it. the right thing to do. You leave the theater kind of being like, I. What at what yeah. cost? I feel dirty. This you, yeah. you leave kind of wanting to do kung fu. Like I had to set up a little kung fu training course for my son after we watched this. Just headbutt your problems away. <laughs> I'm telling you, I, I feel like it was probably indicative of the time because I mean, think yeah. about late '70s, early '80s cinema, and yeah, you know, right off the bat, I'm thinking Death Wish. Uh, like I said, Dirty Harry, perfect example, yeah. right? Um, so I think you know yeah, there was right. probably something in the water or the air at the time <laughs> relative to. You know, social movements, things that were going on that, you know, we're probably not versed enough in. But, yeah, I'm sure it was a reflection of that. Um, uh, But also, I mean, this was a Japanese film. Is that correct? Chinese. 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 Okay, perfect. Yeah. So that makes perfect sense because uh, Hero was Hero that we that we looked at last year. Kind of the same way. Like, I think that with Jet Li, uh, a lot of. Yeah, exactly. So I think that with a lot of Chinese films, you know, especially just the whole um a battle for you know uh, communism over there and everything. I think that a lot of the films that we've seen sort of, if they don't directly deal with that, it's definitely a large part of it, you know. And I'm sure it's a large part of just the the culture is, um, you know, again just deciding whether you're like pro or anti communism and and how all of that folds into that, you know. I'd imagine there's something there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the uh, so the, when the film ends, we basically got Lou and he, you know. Fights the big baddie with the tri chuck, tri ninja chucks. I call them tri chucks, and uh, defeats the uh, you know opens up the thirty sixth chamber, which is him teaching the people. And then we get that sort of you know final sequence of him training a bunch of people. And then there's like you know the one like oafish douche doofus kind of mm-hmm. guy. To your point earlier, I think I didn't really understand it at the moment, but then I was like, oh, I think po- probably what they're trying to say is like. 
he could be the one too, because the same way that Lou was kind of, you know, mm-hmm. uh, doofus when he came into the system and ended up being the great chosen one. Like maybe this guy will be that. But I also didn't know if it was just like trying to go off out on a cheap laugh or something like that, right? <laughs> like some sort of pratfall. Probably both. One hundred percent. I think it's Kung Fu Panda. That you know, it leads right into Kung. <laughs> this is the prequel. You know. <laughs> yeah. So again, just uh, the, the, the 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 different elements that they decided to put together in this one. Pretty, pretty, pretty interesting. You don't necessarily see all these things, you know, again, this classical score combined with these, you know, genre sound effects combined with this big, awesome cinematography and, and, Mm -hmm. but yeah, so uh, all of that combines for an interesting experience and, so yeah, that was the 36th chamber of Shaolin and we're going to go ahead and wrap things up as we do here with our three adjectives feature. Ryan, I'm gonna let you go first, man. I always let you go first. Uh, well, I got, you got, I got uh, engaging. This movie was uh, just drew me in. It, it gave me more than I expected. Um, it just was really rich and textured. Had a lot of layers. Um, I, it was, uh, and then that kind of leads me into my second, which is epic. Um, again, very unexpected for this film to be as big and broad in scope as it was. Um, it felt like the Ten Commandments or Lawrence of Arabia, uh, but a kung fu film with all the sound effects and and cheap dubbing and all the stereotypes that we know and love. Uh, and yet it was small um, in plot and uh, character depth. And, um, you know, we were just grazing over some of these things so fast. And so, uh, you know, I felt like so much attention was put on certain things and so little attention was put on others like character development and the antagonist or who that was, et cetera, et cetera. So um, really polarizing film for me. Um, How about you, Cameron? Uh, Yeah, I mean, generally same Ideas. I let's see my three adjectives. I think I'll go. I'm going to start with just bare chested, and I think that <laughs> kind of sums up the aesthetic of this kung fu film. It it takes in that kung fu vibe and it gives you what you what you want and expect from a kung fu film. And part of that is just seeing a bunch of really physically fit dudes doing really physically fit things and covered in sweat or waterfall water or whatever it is. That's what I'm here for. This movie delivered that for sure. Uh, I will say balanced um i was gonna i was gonna say vibrant or something i think balanced works because that sounds very zen but it it manages to take a whole lot of different tones and really kind of balance it out well and say what you will about the end and the beginning uh they were equally balanced i feel on either side of the story it really wanted to tell which was the uh all 35 chambers and then i don't know if this is real world but to kind of your point ryan i'm gonna say stakeless uh, this movie did not have the stakes it really needed to be that action film, to be that revenge film it wanted to be. It was definitely a movie that wanted to tell the story of Shaolin and and Buddhism and Zenness and the heart of Kung Fu. And then all the action stuff was kind of tacked on. And without the stakes, it felt a little empty. Yeah, it's Ocean's Eleven without the casino. It's like, let's just... <laughs> Oh, we'll get to the casino later. It's like, wasn't that the whole? <laughs> it's Ocean's Eleven without Danny Ocean and uh, what's his face? Without the love triangle, right? Without yeah, and it's, all of it's it. just a heist. Yeah, it's just a heist for with no for no reason. But not even a heist. heist sake. There, it's like uh, we're just, it's just the planning phase of the heist. It's a lot of blue, <laughs> yeah. blueprints. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, pretty much kind of uh, similar for me there. So my first one is kinetic. Uh, just a very sort of vibrant, high energy style filmmaking. Like I said, a lot of those zooms and fast cuts, uh, really, you know, fast paced. Um, so it moves quickly. 
Uh, until it doesn't, but even then it still moves along. Um, uh, my second one is opulent, just in terms of the nature of the production. You know, very big, very grand in terms of the costumes and the theatricality. Um, you know, we've got these dudes on horseback strutting in, lots of extras. Um, and then even when it's not, you know, we still get the very vibrant costumes and things of that nature. And uh, I suppose kind of keeping in with kinetic, but uh, over the top, which is just, mm. you know, not only... When you're talking about the sound effects, of course, you know, just that super ridiculous over the top, um, you know, the performances tend to be very broad in films like this. Um, you know, there's not really a lot of room for subtlety in this type of picture. So uh, I would say it so hyperkinetic, opulent and over the top. Now, we are going to go ahead and formalize our ratings here. Now, Cameron, I'm going to let you start with this one. Oh, okay. Uh, you can do uh, well, you can do three things. So you can do the star rating out of five like I do. You can do the grade rating A through F like Ryan does. Or you can do a third as to be determined thing of your own volition. What you got? Sure. I'll, I'll uh, uh, beam in our rating system from Green Shirt and Newbie's Trek to the Next Generation. Check it out on your podcaster of choice. Uh, we <laughs> usually just come up with a one through ten rating based on uh, something from the movie or episode we just watched. So I'm going to say one out of ten chambers. Where would I put this film? Uh, and then we also cheat and do decimal points. So I'm going to say, <laughs> I'm going to say a six. It's going to make it through the sixth and a half chamber. It's okay. definitely worth watching. It's a good film. Uh, I I might even seek it out to watch it again, uh, especially after maybe watching some more kung fu films and then rewatching this to see how it falls in with the greater context of everything. But at the end of the day, I, it does kind of feel like. Maybe Gordon Liu's performance aside, it feels like any other kung fu film I saw. So I don't, I don't know if for me it raises to the cream of the crop. Got it. Cool, Ryan. What you got, man? Uh, I'm just wondering what this, what's the, what's in the sixth chamber? I'm curious what the sixth chamber would be that he has to get. What's <laughs> <laughs> that? That this film has to get through? Yes. Stakes. The sixth chamber is stakes, and this film got stuck there. Ah, oh, man. Yes. <laughs> No, as many stakes as a salad bar. This uh, film, I'm going to give a B minus. Um, nice. You know, I think that uh, it just really suffers mm -hmm. for, again, uh, low stakes, no antagonist, not really any motivation. And yet, somehow, um, despite itself, I was super interested in everything that was going on. Uh, again, the camera work, the music, the sound effects, the um, char you know the characters that it was introducing and and uh, saying goodbye to almost immediately thereafter. Um, all of it was just it was just fun romp. Um, I was expecting a completely different film than what I watched, so um, hmm. I would recommend it. I think that it's a you know I could see why it's a staple in the kung fu genre of films. Um, and it's uh, definitely interested me to go deeper down this rabbit hole. But, um, yeah, I don't think this is the end-all, be-all of this genre either. I think that it kind of suffers a little bit. So, B-. minus. Nice, nice. Yeah, I'm a little bit closer to uh, Ryan than Cameron, I think. So, I'm going to give this uh, – I'm actually giving this a solid four out of five stars. Wow. Now, for – yeah, now for me, here's the thing. So, uh, you know – Ryan, we've talked about this before. You know, largely my ratings are reflective of my experience, right? Like if you're going to ask me like, you know, on an intellectual level, what type, you know, how many stars would you give this film? Probably closer, you know, three to three and a half, right? Like there are a number of issues with it. But when I sit down and I think about my experience watching this movie, like I enjoyed this movie, right? I was in it the whole time. 
Uh, I never got bored. Uh, Ryan, it was classic Hallmark, right? Like, what's your thing? Like, what are your hallmarks of a good film? Like, how often do you check your phone? Or how often do you want to check your phone? Never. Not the entire time, you know? For two hours, I never felt, you know, restless, antsy. Um, you know, even as I'm taking my notes, like... So I just really had a good time with this film and I appreciated the scale, the scope, the cinematography was amazing. The acting was great. Uh, and, and here's the thing. I almost feel like I would even, there's, there that rating could even bump up a little bit if I was to watch the original, uh, Mandarin language. Cause like I said, the subtitles were brutal to get through and it's, it's like a lot of stuff about halfway through you kind of settle in, you know, and just kind of take it for what it is. But yeah, I really enjoyed this one and I'm giving it a solid four out of five stars. So that is our discussion here. Wraps things up. Cameron, really appreciate you joining us today. I had a lot of fun talking about this movie with you. Absolutely. Um, Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, definitely. So once again, everyone, Green Shirt Podcast. You can find him on all of the socials. Um, is can I there one uh, more thing? Yeah, I was going to say, if there's anything else that you want to oh. plug, please go ahead. Uh, yeah, I'm also part of a all-puppet monster horror film, feature-length, uh, that was made here in Portland. Uh, I kind of helped out in a lot of places here and there with it. It's currently kind of working its way through the festivals, getting some very good reviews, and looking for distribution. So if you want to check out the trailer, you can go to puppetcore.com. You can watch the trailer for Franken-Zed there. It's uh, about a Frankenstein monster and a zombie who live together and then uh, create an orgy of blood with all the felt puppet uh villagers it's it's really i mean it's it's really original you haven't seen anything like this i can say this i'm not the overall creator so i can say like how stunningly original wow. and gorgeous and how did i not know is. this about you man i uh yeah, well, that's now you do. awesome man wow now you do you can check him out on twitter puppet core on twitter at puppet core <laughs> uh check it out it's i mean watch the trailer it's super cool if you want to see it talk about it help us get distribution just by creating some buzz for this movie it's super super fun fuck yes all about that i mean if That's all awesome, puppet dude. monster horror film sounds like something you'd want to watch then this movie's something you want to watch <laughs> tons of stuffing coming out that's what i want to see a lot of uh... <laughs> yeah that's amazing dude well i mean i shoot dude i feel like i have to bring this up i normally like never talk about this like on the show ryan's brought it up a couple times but like uh so i actually uh recently made a film as well uh it's a oh, film saw, that i wrote I and directed yeah 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 um and it's called toast and mine is basically about an eccentric inventor who uh screws up an experiment one day and zaps himself into a toaster and then his lazy unambitious roommate has to get him out and hijinks ensue so we are in the same position right our film's called toast it's working its way through the festivals over here in los angeles and we will be looking for distribution as well so uh, let's help each other out, man. Yeah. Um, you know, in whatever ways we can. Um, and, uh, you know, we'll touch base after this and maybe even try to, like, you know, find some. Uh, it sounds like in different respects, both of our movies would qualify for, like, some of those, like, midnight screening type exactly. cult festivals, you know? Yep, yep. yep. Um, so, yeah, man, we should see what we can do together. For sure. Awesome. Cool. Well, let's go ahead and, uh, in addition to plugging our personal works, we do have the show that we would like you guys to help spread the word about, right? So we've got Esoterica Cinema on the Twitter and the Instagram. You should be following those as well as the website, esotericacinema.com. We do have a web player up there with the current episodes that you can always listen to. You can access the past episodes. We've got the animatics and of course our master list that we always encourage you guys to download and follow along with as we select our random films at the end of every episode. Once again, we are looking for 30 30 films to replace the ones that we look at in season two. 
and we'll need those, I don't know, sometime within the next six months. So anybody out there, feel free to hit us up on any of the socials or at esotericacinema at gmail.com. Let us know what films you would like us to review. We'll put it on that list. Maybe it never gets pulled. Maybe it gets pulled the next episode. Who's to say? That's how the Wheel of Chance works. And then, of course, we've got the personals, uh, Ryan underscore Siebold on the Instagram, at the Ryan Siebold on the Twitter, and then I am at Jason Aberrant, 1B2Rs, on both platforms. So, with that all out of the way, we get to one of my favorite parts of the show, where we get to select next week's film. Uh, Just a bevy of possibilities, and who knows what we're going to come up with. I'll tell you what, Cameron, I will throw this your way because you seem like a pretty creative guy. So if you want, you can just do straight one through 200 and give me a number. Or if you Mm -hmm. want, you can come up with, you know, you can give me two numbers and we'll average them or add them or whatever. Either way, I need some way to get to 200 uh, to get to a number between one and 200. What you got for me? Um, All right. Well, I mean, we we now know what the 37th chamber of Shaolin is. Let's find out what the 38th chamber of Shaolin is. Ah, I love it. Hell yeah, buddy. Way to go, dude. That was well done. Well done. Okay, so... Wait, what film did we just... Wait, we just watched the 36th. Oh, but I was in the 37th yep. with with Ryan. Okay, so yes, I'm sticking with 38th. Keep it. Okay, we're sticking with 38th? Okay, 38th. either way, either way, we're in a really good section. We we win regardless, so... Okay. But we're going with 38 here, okay? So, again, everybody at home who has downloaded their master list gets to go ahead and check out what 38 is right now. And for everyone who doesn't, don't you feel bad that they know what movie I'm Ooh. talking about right now and you don't? I mean, come on. Get, get with on the with program, that, right? losers. <laughs> yeah. What, what film are we talking about, Jason? So, so Cameron, for 38, we are going to look at the very first film from arguably the most popular filmmaker to ever grace the earth. Hold on. Hold we on. Is it, at... is it? Wait, wait. Is it dual? This it is, is dual. Say dual. Yes. <laughs> it is dual. Yes. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Steven Spielberg's made-for-TV film, Duel, his very first. I've never seen it. Have you guys ever seen it? I have a long, long time ago. Same. But I've seen it. Same. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah. So, I remember uh, enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, you know, we we do a lot of, uh, we like to put a lot of, like, first, you know, filmmakers, because, like, I think, I mean, I wouldn't even be surprised if a lot of kids think Jaws is, like, his first film, oh, sure. you know? Um, He's even really got a couple uh, made-for-TV movies before Duel that I really want to check out. They show here at the aforementioned Hollywood Theater sometimes, and I, I haven't yet, but he's done some, like, yeah, pretty low-budget made-for-TV movies that are supposed to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we all got to cut our teeth somewhere. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Ryan, uh, I believe you, uh, you have a description of this one for us. Yes, I do. Uh, duel from, uh, 1971 as uh, described as David Mann, a mild mannered electronic salesman is driving cross country on a two lane highway. When he encounters an old oil tanker driven by an unseen driver who seems to enjoy annoying him with dangerous antics on the road, unable to escape the demonic big rig. David finds himself in a dangerous game of cat and mouse with a monstrous truck. When the pursuit escalates to deadly levels, David must summon his inner warrior and turn the tables on his tormentor. Now, uh, not only is this directed by Steven Spielberg, but it's also written by Richard Matheson. A little bit of a trivia for Wow. You. Yeah. No way. Yep. So we get a oh, little... Man. Uh, Cam, are you familiar with Richard Matheson? Uh, yeah. Dude, a little yeah. bit. Twi- Twilight Zone guy Twilight Zone, wrote right? I Am yeah. Legend. Um, mm, that's just right. That's brilliant, right, yeah. brilliant, brilliant What dreams writer. may come. Uh, yeah, tons of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> here's, the thing, he, here's the thing. Oh, the every, original story? Every, the the every Omega Man? Cl- yeah, all kinds I of I was going to say, though, every single classic Twilight Zone episode is either a Rod Serling script 
or it's a Richard Matheson script. Right. Like he has done like five characters in search of an exit. Like so many good ones, dude. Yeah, dude's a legend. Yeah, I've never read any of his original works, but I've definitely, you know, seen his his impact on his, society. Uh, yeah, right, I've yeah. only I, I've only read I Am Legend of his, but it was a fantastic book. Much better, better, better book than movie. Even though I didn't hate the movie, but it was yep. it's a really, really good book. They use a sound effect from Duel in Jaws. Oh wow! Ah, you know about look that? that? Oh well, look for that. Look for that when you watch it. I will listen. Well, yeah, we'll have that. to see if we can. Uh, yeah, we'll yes. have to see if we can pick it out and bring it up when we look at the episode. So uh, yeah, again, thanks so much for joining us, Cameron. We had a great time here. Super fun talking with you, everybody. Make sure to catch out Green Shirt Podcast. Again, if you're not a Star Trek watcher, that's okay because Cameron wasn't either, and he's going to guide you through that. And for our show, make sure you watch Duel in advance of next week's episode, and we will see you then on Esoterica Cinema. I've been striking out My body's so rusty I've hit a freaky drought And my dick is crusty There's just one thing to do I head to my garage So many sexy thoughts of you I need a training montage Found a sex sensei To teach me in the ways of sex He had me wash and wax his car I had to sand and paint his fence Then I cleaned his whole damn house Washed all of his laundry I think I'm catching on Don't forget to breathe I'm finally getting horny So you can keep all the 36 chambers of death I'm going deep in the 69th chamber of sex Here's your inhaler, I know you've got shortness of breath You'll need a mop and a bucket just to clean up the mess Girl, this is the deep voice part You can't see me right now, but my shirt is unbuttoned And a fan is blowing on me That's how much I love you your clit's a speed bag that I hit with my tongue. If I could find it. Oh. Be cool, man. Just be cool. Be cool. Holy shit. Are you seriously still singing? How many times have I told you to get the hell off my porch? Seriously, Ryan, I've called the cops. You can't just keep showing up like this. We went on one date. And why does your friend have his shirt off? Uh, I was doing the deep voice part. Yeah, he was doing the deep voice part. Get the hell out of here, both of you. Come on, let's get out of here. Meet you here tomorrow, same time? Yep, same time tomorrow. See you then.